0: Hey, welcome to Tone Talk. How's everybody doing today? It's uh, Friday night after a long week. It's uh, Dave and Mark, and it's episode 50. Episode 50.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. 50. Episode 50. Yeah, my age too, as well. Uh, And tonight's special guest
2: (laughs) is also- Oh, you're
0: one off. Oh, you're one off. You're 51. All right. you're, you're uh, You're the elder of the crowd. So
2: (laughs) I I, I like to forget my age. (laughs) Me
0: too, I was going to say. So tonight we've got from throwback pickups and um, pickups and pedals, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. John Gundry. John, how are you?
2: Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good.
2: Yeah. I finally get to meet you in um, virtual flesh. Yes. Virtual.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I'll meet you at uh, NAM or or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. I go every year to walk it. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh come yeah. Come on by. Yeah, actually, I, w- I was at uh, the the I saw Dave in full um, Jerry Cantrell mode. Oh. They were, they we're doing signing stuff, and I. thought uh. I, I didn't want to interrupt the manager. You're a little there, bit busy but, then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, was Nam was that was a crazy Nam. That really was. It was especially at Dave's area. That whole area was just like rocking the entire
2: oh, yeah. time. It was very busy there. Very yeah, impressive.
0: yeah. And it's not like it's in like the best location, I guess. But it's just you know, like it's just so all much of, going
1: all, all of the whole show or the...
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, like out of you know, like out of the like even the guitar gear stuff. It's not in like the yeah. best location.
1: Yeah, it's spread out a little bit. I wish we could have one of those upstairs like rooms, maybe. That'd be cool. Upstairs rooms?
0: I've never even been upstairs. Yeah,
1: like, like, you know, where Fender is. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. But those rooms have to
1: be ESP
2: and and stuff generally. It's a cool amp oasis. It's always nice to go by there and see, you know, everything that's there. Yeah. (laughs) As, As they gobble up more companies. Yeah.
1: If they gobble up any more, then uh, the uh, the booth will have to get larger because we're out of space. Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, that's it true. Doesn't seem that way
0: because yeah. you got Saldano next, who's not going to just be against the wall, right? I mean,
1: uh, yeah. Who knows? We'll see what they're going to be arguing over uh, over sound room space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not giving mine up. <laughs> no, don't. Please don't.
1: 20 by 20 or whatever it is I think I'm ai think I'm not a little, at
0: all. I'm a little hot right now that's a David Le, David Lee Roth reference um, I don't know my my mic looks goes into the red but <sighs> so
1: all right so anyway yeah John John yes man. so yes how the hell did you make a mistake of coming into the music industry
2: oh <laughs> do you want? This is a long show, so I can give you the long, long reply.
1: You can, yeah. you can, yeah, you okay. can give, you can give every sort of detail. If <laughs> okay,
2: you want. well, so I was thinking about this before the show, but um because you knew know, we were going to ask it, this. Yeah, yeah, and I know this thing lasts like two or three hours, so I've got to be prepared. <laughs> so it started when I was a kid. Uh, no, I, I kind of, I came from. I didn't really realize it at the time, but. Uh, my mom's side of the family is a musical family. And um, when I was a kid, every, every summer we'd go visit my grandparents that were in Missouri, lived in the Ozarks in Missouri. And my grandfather, who played fiddle, and his dad played fiddle, were sort of local legends. And my grandpa would always be repairing some musical instrument for someone locally, usually a guitar or a fiddle. And he would have the grandkids help him out.
3: Mm.
2: So I I, kind of early on, I I realized that you know, it was it became anything music related seemed very approachable, especially technically. So when I was a teen, he showed me how to rehair bows, and uh, I took violin lessons as a kid. And but when I was a teen, I really got interested in guitar. So, kind of having the technical part of it not be such a mystery made it so, like, if a guitar player had a, uh, you know, build your own boost circuit,
3: uh-huh.
2: thought, well, I can do that i or I'll give it a shot. So, so I did that sort of thing when I was in high school and started uh, kind of keeping my eye out for any sort of guitar that maybe needed to be fixed up. And I kind of knew what to look for because my my grandpa and my grandmother backed him up on guitar. so i had a I had a rough idea of what to look for if I found a used guitar. and then I'd try to find one that needed to be fixed up. so I would I, I started refretting guitars just my own at age fifteen and then i I'd go to everybody locally that did it. And when I could drive and ask them for pointers, and they were nice enough to do it to, you know, give me info about it. And so eventually, just kind of personally, I'd I'd made a few electronics Mm -hmm. as a teen and done a fair amount of kind of personal guitar repair of my own. And then when going to college, I just did that for fun. Um, I went to college for film and video and photography. And when I got out of college, I, I ended up doing a bit of assisting for photography and started a commercial studio mm. locally, really low scale. And um, it, it built that up. And the way that business works is there's a fair amount of downtime between jobs. So at some point, I decided, well, I'll fill in those spaces with what I'm doing for fun anyway, which is guitar-related projects. Eventually, that led to doing effect pedals. So, about 2001, I I, I did I made the Strange Master and the Stone Bender, which were my first two products. I etched I etched all the circuit boards and did mm. all of that myself, and. That is how I got into it because they sold.
3: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> they sold well, right?
2: Yeah, they sold well. I put them on eBay at the time. That was kind of the way most people were selling online, and I, I, I thought, well, I, I've, I've got, I can, I know I can present these well on eBay because I'm, ta- i I can take good photos of it. Um, I know I like it. I know my friends do. I know the tweaks that I've applied to it. I think there aren't a whole lot of uh, variations of that circuit available. So I thought, well, I'll I'll give it a shot selling it. And since I I had the luxury of having a business, uh, so I could, I'm sure I made decisions as far as what, how to approach adding new products that I would not have made if that, if the electronics, part of guitar electronics were the only part of my business right so so what you're saying is you make yeah, cool stuff yeah i could make cool and stuff without
1: that, regard for uh, the, what they're going to sell
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah i could make cool stuff that satisfied what i wanted and what i saw wasn't available at the time and i would so i would kind of indulge myself as to what the specs yeah. would be Well, that's fun. then yeah total and, fun Yeah. Yeah. So I had fun with it. And then I I had the luxury of being my own line of credit, I guess, in a very small way. And then I, so I would get the specs to where I wanted it without regard to price. And then I'd figure out if I could sell it and I'd just price it accordingly and people would buy them and they'd be very happy with them. So that was great. Eventually the, um, I, I was a commercial photographer for 20 years and eventually, the electronics were half of my business. And it kept growing and growing and growing until eventually, when I, well, when I started commercial photography, everything was uh, film. And everything, almost everything I shot was with a view camera with four by five film. And I could see that the, that was transitioning to digital. Right. And as that happened, I've been I maintain the same amount of business. In fact, get more because I now be doing retouching, but the number of clients would get smaller. So it was. So I, at some point, I thought I'm still the business is still good, but I've got a lot of eggs in that one basket for the photography part of it. And I thought, well, I'm I'm just going to concentrate on building the electronics portion of it, the guitar electronics portion of the business because it was more fun anyway, really. Mm-hmm. Although it's pretty fun being a photographer, but uh, my main client for photography was Bissell. So there's mm-hmm. a limit to how fun photographing vacuum cleaners can be. <laughs> so so, so I, I decided at some point, I'm doing the digital, and then uh, photography, but it became clear that they were now starting to do photographic renderings from CAD files. Mm. And I thought, well, it's just a matter of time before a lot of this business that I've got now is trimmed back as far as photography goes. So I thought, I'm just, the, the business is going to be the guitar electronics. That's what I'm going to concentrate on. And I, I, I paired back the photography clients and eventually had two, which were Bissell and Kawasaki, which has an industrial mm. uh, arm here in town. And uh, eventually decided they had I, I just had to concentrate on the electronic guitar electronics portion of it. Right. Along the way, I and too all up through there while I was doing the, the photography, again I could make decisions that looking back on it, I know why a lot of businesses don't make kind of the level of detail of of let's say a PAF repro that we make it's because there's a lot of money that goes into it and it takes a while to you know it's a significant investment up front if you decide today's the day we're going to do this and uh, i did it incrementally over several years with a different business paying for it <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, yeah. but but by the time it worked out very well because by the time i was done with photography I I already had an established reputation for what I had put that money into and I had satisfied customers with it. And so I was, it, it really turned out to be the best thing to do. Although when I, when I switched to, from photography, which is a service business to just the manufacturing for about two years, I was like, I know we're making you know, I know we're making stuff the same way, but I did not realize I was approaching it as a service business rather than manufacturing. So I, I, I realized at some point I have not made the, the calculation in my brain that the amount of time you do for any process adds up to money and efficiency. So mm-hmm. it, after a, a year or two of, of that, I finally realized, Hey, I've got a I've got to just be more efficient in how we assemble things. I I kind of discovered I don't know, it kind of has a bad name but lean manufacturing principles where you pay attention mm-hmm. to you know if you have a piece of equipment that can speed up a process you, you need to do it cuz it'll quickly pay for itself and once it's paid for its right. money
0: it's then then you the then it's profit yeah. more profit for you. Yeah. By the way, I just want to mention um, Justin Espinoza, thanks for the super chat. Uh, by the way, for those watching, please hit the subscribe button. I've never mentioned that ever in any of our shows. So please hit the uh, subscribe button if you can. Uh, we have a super chat also if you want to get your question in faster. Like Justin who says, Dave, why not do a vertical 2x12? Would y'all? Thanks. And, that will get and to I it.
1: answered him actually in in the chat. Oh, you did? Said so the vertical two twelve is done and it's going to be released. Oh sweet. Okay. When I'm not sure yet, but shortly, I would imagine. I just gotta we're we're dealing with all sorts of releases right now, so it's gonna be a little bit probably a little bit still.
0: All right. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate that. Um sorry, John. So you were saying so well,
1: efficiencies.
2: I, I want a vertical two by twelve. Is it fully enclosed or is it
1: ported? Uh, it has a tiny little port like a mm. high walk cab does in back. Oh, cool. Oh, man. Which is like how I do my other 212s. And it, it's really A yeah, yeah. cool. little slant cab. Looks like a baby 4x12, kind of, but yeah, a slant. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
2: Came out really good. Sounds good. Yeah, actually, I should have said that the real reason I, I did this business is, is an excuse to buy stuff <laughs> <laughs> or, or Before, trade. Yeah. <laughs> it was a conscious conscious decision at the beginning uh, you know if i have this as a business i i i'm not really getting flack from my wife on buying stuff guitars or anything guitar related but now there's a real reason oh yeah it. yeah
1: you
2: know, that, now now when you
1: buy a guitar also you you know you can write it
2: off also yeah yeah you know, completely and you know so mm. It's an important part of the business.
0: Maybe I need to incorporate Tone Talk. Make, <laughs> an, be, I, make an LLC or something, that way, uh, any all that gear that I keep buying,
1: <laughs> I can write that. I out.
2: think you need
0: to. Yeah. Yeah, I might. I might need. Actually,
2: to.
1: yeah, just 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 for that. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for all the money you make from Tone Talk.
0: Oh yeah, no, all I the money we make from I Tone don't. Talk. <laughs>
1: yeah, all the
2: money we make. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why We're I said. Well, don't you know?
0: Everybody, please subscribe.
2: <laughs> Although I, I must say that I, 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 used to be more interested in pedals than I am now. I used to work. I worked at a record store once, and I, and after about maybe a month, I thought I don't really want to buy any more records or see. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I
2: kind of feel that way about music here. <laughs> yeah. You, you see it. You see it every day, and then you, um, it's for some reason the pedals do that with me i still see a guitar if it's a little messed up i think oh i i if i could get it at that price mm. you know it's at the right price i could fix it up and then i you know i could sell it later the problem is i never sell them yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. or yeah. when i
2: buy stuff nowadays is i gotta really want it i
1: i have to like really have a want for what i'm buying chances yeah. are i might not touch it after i buy it but But yeah, I really want it because you know
0: there's a lot of to
2: really spur my interest when I see it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I've just really the really want it uh, ideology is important, especially when you start running out of space to put the stuff. Uh,
0: (laughs) that's the problem.
2: That's the problem. You think I need higher quality items because the lower quality ones are taking up too much space. (laughs) I have a wall full of guitars and I play like two of them. Yeah.
0: Well, I just saw that Alex video where he stole your telly.
1: Oh, yeah. That (laughs) that pink uh, shell pink. Little fun joke video. Yeah, that was fun. Shell pink Esquire I made. Friedman Shell pink Esquire. And boy, is it cool.
0: It is. It looked nice. (laughs) It looked real nice. It sounds great. Very cool. Yeah, an Esquire. Oh, got another
1: super chat. Oh, yeah? Super chat day, apparently. Uh, what's my favorite guitar speaker For guitar cabs? Oh man really <laughs> uh, Metal tone though he says for metal you? T- Oh metal tone um, Okay for metal tone Probably You know I like a vintage 30 um, I've had heard the Celestion 100s that Can be okay for a metal tone metal tone uh maybe 75 watt celestions can work sometimes depending on the amp uh other than that there are no choices (laughs) k100s
0: vintage 30s vintage
1: 30s or or the 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 higher wattage the 75 watt
0: i find the vintage Uh, sound good
1: yeah yeah i mean well it depends on the amp it depends on the amp you know like like You know, depends on what amp you have and how fizzy it is, and what speaker might match up better with that. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I gig with every once in a while. I've got a blues band every once in a while. We do a gig, and I find just for blues, I like the Classic Lead 80 just as a speaker.
1: Mm. Actually, wait, that that's a mention too. The Classic Lead 80. uh, I forgot about that speaker. Actually, it's not widely used, but that also could be a potential. Cool speaker I, for people.
2: I like it because I feel like it sounds like a Celestion, but it's got, it just has more headroom on the low end. I don't know. That's the way I feel about it for yeah. playing clean edge of breakup. Blues. It, it might not be the first choice for rock, though, but it seems to work well for that.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they have an IR for that. We got a new super chat. $10. I they have an IR for that. From boy Ben Breer. is that
1: modern? Ben, thank you.
0: Yeah, Tone Talk rocks. Get rich, baby.
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Really appreciate it.
1: You bought us. You bought us a hot dog at Nam. <laughs> <laughs>
2: thank you. And a beer, maybe, maybe a beer. Not both. Not no, not both. Not both. The no. hot dog. Yeah. I should say that part. Part of the my um, throwback business was me deciding that at one point that I could make an amp without really knowing how to do it. I made an 18 watt clone for a while. And then I realized just because there's a form that shows you how to do it doesn't mean you really know how to make an amp. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, you know, I can make this the way I want it, but I really don't understand enough about it. Mm. <laughs> so I dropped it. Also the overhead cost for doing an amp yeah, uh-huh. compared to, <laughs> or pedals. It was it was like, you know, there's only so many times I want to order 20 of everything, you know. You have beautiful graphics on your pedals.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, thank
2: you. Like yeah. that vintage,
1: you know, that total Tone Bender vintage style. It, it, I, I, the weird thing is I... I well, I know where it came it. from. It came from those original Tone Bender styles. Yeah,
3: like, yeah.
1: yeah. Like it's pedals, like, but but I just, to see it on a new pedal, it's like, uh, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I want. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what it sounds like. I just want it because it looks cool. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I I found that w- weirdly the the pickup uh, this uh, doing this business. I found that I can apply a bunch of stuff that I learned elsewhere that mm-hmm. I would have never expected. So I mean, I, I've obviously borrowed the graphics for the stone bender, but mm-hmm. I could do that. I could do it. Electron, you know, I could do the graphics myself. I had enough contact with advertising and marketing people to kind of have a little bit of idea of, of what worked, and uh, and I could do my own photography and even weird things like I, when I get an old like I've got when I got my first Sona 102 winding machine, it had to be rebuilt, and my dad, as a hobby, rebuilds Studebakers. Oh, cool. And, and I, so in high school, I had rebuilt, well, sort of rebuilt with pop rivets and sheet metal for the floor pan, a 64 Daytona Studebaker. And I thought when I got the machine, I was like, oh, it's a piece of cake taking this thing apart compared to a Studebaker. So just about there's a that's part of the fun of, of, of I find of pickups, pedals guitar related stuff is there's there's kind of a combination of mechanical electronic and then there's a craft and artistic part of it yeah you find in the one and it's so if you've got interest in any of those areas or all it's it's satisfying to create stuff that way so i, I think that's why i just decided at some point that was really needed to be what i did mm-hmm. as a business so yeah.
0: So what are the, what are the pedals that you have? I know you've got the stone bender, right? And there's yeah, a... the
2: first, the, the first two, I, I mean, so I've got four pedals and I've had those four pedals for forever, except I did have a fifth one that I dropped because it was a variation on one of the circuits. It didn't really sell a lot, but I started with the stone bender and the strange master. So it's a range master and a stone bender, but I, I put my tweaks on those circuits and people like them, but I, 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 I wanted to do just classic circuits that were not widely available in in vintage form at the time. And then I added the fuzz haze, which is a fuzz face and, and the overdrive boost, which is, uh, similar to a color sound overdrive or power boost. Oh, those are and, cool. Yeah. With all of those, I just added my tweaks. To the circuit and my, and my goal with with it was too is to make it more widely adjustable than than the vintage circuit to the point to where you can actually adjust you can adjust in tones that you would not want and but strangely a lot of people someone will want so, it yes yeah so i've got a, the overdrive boost you can make it sound like the 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 pedals or the speaker on your amp is gone mm-hmm. great yeah. Yeah, and people like that. But some people <laughs> they but, <do>. but <laughs> so, some people will say, Hey, there's something wrong with this thing. And and I, I just say, Well, adjust the knobs till it's the way you want. Mm-hmm. You
0: know. Reminds but me of uh it, reminds me of like Z Vex when he he had the uh on his pedal the super hard oh, on yeah. it's like crackle okay. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah, like yeah.
0: okay. Just because, well, oh,
1: well, yeah. I, let me explain how many times. So, like in all my amps, I use a, a vintage plexi presence circuit. So the knob crackles. Well, it doesn't ah. crackle, it scratches. Same thing with the depth knob or the, the thump knob. Um, and I put this in the manual. This is normal. Don't be afraid, you know? Like, <laughs> And You're I still, still get I still get people emailing oh, yeah. me. I think there's something wrong with this amp. I we need to send it back. I go, no, no, you don't. It's right. It's normal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's the that's, same thing with a uh, like a any sort of treble boost circuit. Same thing. It's a, it's going to be scratchy. Yeah. But yes, it won't matter how often you point that out. Someone will find it and think there's something wrong. But so let's let's go
1: to how how where did the pickup part come in? into the business. So you, you started yeah. this business and it, you kind of just went yeah. in the whole thing, but where did the pickup part come in?
2: Yeah. So through, about 2001, I started with the pedals and after I did four, I realized at some point, honestly, I, I, I kind of, I made what I wanted, which was those four boost circuits, booster fuzz circuits. And I didn't. I didn't have some groundbreaking idea on how to make something different that wasn't already out there. It just. It didn't seem interesting to me. But I did. I did find it intriguing that that uh, the PAF in particular had a mythical status. Um, but at the time, on on picket making forums. And even on just uh, online forums, the the lore was that the that they were hand wound, and I knew that they weren't. I knew that these were machine wound pickups. So, I would point that out periodically on forums, and I would get I would get uh, often angry responses. No, the best ones are hand wound. So I thought, well, I know they're not. I know that none of them were. I I it I seemed intriguing to me to make to see if I could just do the most accurate cosmetically, tonally, mechanically repro of that, of a PAF. And also, I didn't mention this, but part of, part of my background is my grandfather and his dad were hobbyist violin makers, mm. and I am a hobbyist violin maker and kind of the granddaddy of of the mythical I, uh, musical item is a Stradivarius, and uh-huh. it, it's its own sort of category of of uh, lore as to like why are they so desirable? Why are they? Uh, why why does everybody want them? Why do they sound so so good? And it, the so there's any number of theories as to why they're that way and and I've, I had done violin workshops and it's a pretty complex little item a violin is mechanically and so I thought you know well from that I real you learned that the reason they're different really has a lot to do with the process of how they were made the tools that he used the uh, patterns he used and a lot of it was set up for him to do efficiently. And he came up with, came up with innovations that allowed him to make something repeatable that sounded very good. And, um, but there's a lot of levels and details to that. And so I thought a, a pickup in two with the violins, the history of it is that there's literally was at one point people that went to his old house his old house and got went into his attic and got all of his t- forms and tools so I thought you know this a PAF has a, a mythical status and I bet that what part of a large part of what makes it unique and desirable tonally has to do with the the um, what the choices were as far as the manufacturing, as far as manufacturing choices for materials, uh, how they wound it, what machines they used, all these small details I figured will probably add up to a difference. So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to make it a fun project for myself, and I'm just going to try to learn every detail of that that I can of a PAF. And I thought, you know, if people had done this with Stradivari you know, more than 200 years ago and Kalamazoo's down the street, you know, I, an hour south of me, 40 hour, 45 minutes south of me, and they were making them in 19, the 1950s, late 1950s, there's got to be some information I can glean from that. Uh-huh. So, so I thought, well, it'll just be a fun project to see, if, see what I can find out and it eventually led to me buying two of the machines that were in the factory finding out the other two machines that they also used to make them finding people locally that uh whose dad used to do, do the buffing and grinding process for their covers for paf covers because a big part kind of if you're really into super into the vintage details a big part of, of the paf for the vintage enthusiasts, is what it looks like, and um, I found out how part of why they look that way is just simply how they were ground and buffed. Mm-hmm. So, I found places that did base plates for Gibson. And basically, I have tracked down just about every supplier and had had either had tooling made for us or found someone who could do the same thing locally.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And I'm kind of lucky. This is a good spot for, for that, because Grand Rapids still has uh, has a manufacturing base from the furniture industry and um, the, the automotive industry. It, it, it never took the hit that the Detroit area did. I don't yeah. think a lot mm-hmm. of these smaller shops. Mm-hmm although although Kalamazoo did I'm pretty sure that and um, they but anyway I could I can I can meet with people on a smaller scale as far as getting very de- detailed work done and I don't have I can have a smaller order in a in a few thousand rather than 20 30,000 that you might expect of somebody in a much bigger city might expect so anyway with all of that I, I kind of systematically th- went through each piece uh, of the, uh, of the pickup and uh, duplicated it to the best uh, of my ability. And then if I found out new information, I would improve upon that. So the pickups though, I just found, I just found the pickups more intriguing than pedals. And at some, at some point, it became clear to me that the pedal part of the business was really more, you, you really needed to come out with something new every six oh, months. Yeah. Or so. Oh, yeah. you know. And I thought, at one point I thought I, I, I really ought to do that, and I just couldn't get myself as excited about doing that, that I, as I could with pickups. There's something kind of strangely magical about a pickup. When you're making it, you can... It, it's, it seems like it's a very simple item. And uh, I think that's probably why it attracts a lot of smaller time, smaller size makers is because you really, you can make something that sounds good with the sewing machine motor and the correct wire and, and some practice and a little knowledge.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and there, yeah. And there's lots of guys who do ways that. to skin a cat. A lot of, yeah. a lot, uh, in other words, um, there's lots of different wire. There's lots of different things and winding techniques and ways to do it that will also get you a good tone. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's just a different – they use different ingredients in the recipe. Yeah. And they still made – in the end, it still tasted good, yeah. <laughs> you know, so to speak. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, uh, it's different. Yeah, so personally, I just found that intriguing that, wow, you can adjust these parameters it, and you get you get this magical little item and with the pedals, I, I just felt like there was more. There was more. It did, I don't know. For some reason, it didn't. It seemed more like beyond what the classic circuits that I was tweaking. Beyond that, it was kind of coming up with cool sounds, but they didn't have. Uh, it didn't. You know, the pickup. It, it's expressive no matter with everything. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're playing clean or dirty, or you have it with the pedal. So I just see, it just seemed the pickups themselves seemed more intriguing to me. So I I just decided for myself and and because it wasn't my only business, I decided I'll I, this is what seems interesting to me. I'll pursue that. I'll will pursue the pickups in the direction that I want to, mm-hmm. which at the time was I want to make as as accurate a PAF repro as I could. Right. Well, so I highly advise uh, you've done a good job. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, but I I really looking back on it, I do think wow, you know, I um I really did I did luck out that I could I had a job that I could do it in the gaps of, of other yeah. work. Frankly, frankly looking at your
1: list of the pickups you make now, uh, I, I I get confused. Oh, I did, <laughs> it, the daily call I get I mean, I mean, like, for for even for me, I mean, and I know something about all of it. uh, I'm like looking at it going, huh, from the description, which one would I like?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is a problem. First of all, like, yeah, this is the downside of of, uh, kind of being your own, Uh, just uh, doing a business like that and not having to answer anybody. My name, my names mean nothing almost. So yes, they and they're hard to remember. And which yeah. ones? Which. Yeah, yeah, I can't. They don't really express what they sound like. Yeah. And um. Yeah, but I, I, the it's daily. I'll get a call or an email. It'll be like, I'm ready to buy some pickups. I just I, they all look great. I don't know what to get. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: yeah. Hey, um, we got a, We got a couple but, questions uh, from super chat questions so uh i think the first one was from ben burnett uh yeah. thanks ben uh he says john can you discuss the pros and cons of high output pickups trade-offs okay. at, at what point in output does the tonal characteristic of the pickup suffer and third part have you thought about a pickup design for amp modelers
2: for Amp modelers uh do dave do you allow questions about amp modelers <laughs>
1: i was kind of thinking that if you want to put a throwback pickup into an amp modeler you should be shot but yeah. so i, I mean I, I don't really here's my thoughts on that i i i like, I'll, I'll chime in um I, I think whatever pickup you're going to use into an amp modeler might not matter that much because there is no dynamics to an amp modeler. So yeah. you roll well, your volume knob down, it's kind of the same. You roll it up, it's kind of the same. There's not really any kind of – it's it's kind of the same. Well, I, I will – Not have to, say to say that, that it's not that an interesting tool, tool or a decent tool for someone,
2: but – yeah, my, now my only experiment or experience with an amp modeller is like a Fender Mustang 3, right? I did find with that that um, with a with a D, I, I assume this is a function of a D style power section, that you're not you're not getting you're not getting the character on the low end that you would get with with a real tube amp that was uh, uh, A, B, or Class A. So I'm with, and I haven't really tested this, but I would say that you might, that given that you might want to have a a set of pickups that are lower in resistance, Mm. so you're not hitting that top end of the headroom of the amp as quickly. I would think so. Yeah. So, but what I usually tell people about resistance and pickups and, and output, at first they say, I tell people, you know, perceived output with something like a PAF is a function of uh, a combination of the magnet and the resistance. So it, you kind of have to think of them s- separately. A stronger magnet will give you a higher perceived output, and a weaker one will give you a lower perceived output. Higher resistance will, I, I tell people too, in, in terms of resistance of the pickup, they need to think of it as a higher resistance is less headroom for your amp. It's going to drive the amp quicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lower, the lower the resistance goes, it's more headroom for the amp. And beyond that, as the resistance goes up, it shifts the um, the uh, the resonant peak of the pickup. Generally, a g- good general rule is it becomes darker and less defined treble content as you go up in resistance. So, given that, you need to ask the person, the person needs to know, well, do I want a pickup that will hit my amp as hard as possible? And, and, uh, you know, maybe that, if you've got a higher wattage amp, maybe that's a good choice. Mm -hmm. But you may be, with a lower wattage amp, you're going to sacrifice low-end definition because you're going to hit the upper limits of the headroom of the amp quicker. So, and I think part of this has to do with you know just personal preference of the player because I, I i know there's there's a school of thought for for metal guys that they want a, a low something like a t-top that's a lower resistance pickup they want they want the amp to produce the distortion
3: mm-hmm.
2: and there's guys that want a much higher resistance because they want the pickup to really drive the amp so you kind of have to decide for yourself which which is your preference and I think you really have to do that based upon what experience you've had with other guitars and pickups, if you're aware of what the resistance is. As far as the magnet goes for a PAF, the reality with that, uh, that spec for a PAF is that it varies throughout the era of a PAF. And generally, an Alnico 5 is going to be the strongest of the bunch, and it had the most perceived output but really maybe more important with the magnet is that it changes the inductance of the pickup and effectively i like to think of it as it's a way of how the magnet beyond its charge affects the eq of the pickup and some guys know know that they prefer the tonal character of an alico 2 magnet or an alico 5 or an Alco four or three, but very often people don't know that. So, if you want to try to make the best <clears throat> resistance output, ideally you would know, based upon experience with other pickups, which of those you prefer, mm-hmm. and kind of that combination gives your uh, can give you a, an idea of what what output works for you with your rig setup that's the other thing the the rig the rig and guitar people use and even the strings have a, a big impact on what the final tone is sure the, the string gauge has everything to do uh with
1: what choice you might make uh with your pickup
2: yeah yeah and even whether or not you're you're choosing like a, a pure nickel string or a um nickel plated steel string mm you know because that the uh, uh, a pure nickel string kind of th- with pure nickel often people think well it's a warmer tone and it does have a bit of a warmer character the treble content on the wound strings is a little snappier with a pure nickel string but a um or sorry with a uh, nickel-plated seal string but a pure nickel string you're getting less signal out of those wound strings mm. so you get actually get a bit more headroom with a pure pure nickel string on the low end than you would with a nickel plated steel wound string so that's another that's another interesting part of being around here a few years ago i I, for years i was trying to get ghs to make strings with our label just so i could give them away with pickups Mm. i i could never even get anybody to talk there to me about that but a few years ago i found out that that one of the machine shops that Gibson had used for years, uh, and Heritage uses still, the guy, it was a father son machine shop that made uh, guitar string winding machines. And literally, literally, if you go out the building I'm in and turn left and then right after two blocks and drive for 20 minutes, you're at their machine shop. and And they still make a guitar string winding machine that they once made for Gibson, updated with computer controls now but once I found this out I said hey I called him up and I said can you make with uh you know I'll, I'll package them up but I, we'll,
0: we'll pretend that we don't hear that Dave. we'll just <laughs> <All right.
2: laughs> I, I, I basically I said to them can you guys do some round core pure nickel strings because there's very few choices for it and they were like why would you want those because in their thick mind, it was like this is an archaic. No one does round core strings anymore because they're problematic if you don't trim them right. So, but essentially, and why do you want pure nickel? Because no one uses it anymore. But I convinced them, hey, if I buy the material, would you guys make some pure nickel strings, round core, some hex core, pure nickel? And they're like, sure. So. So that's how we've got guitar strings and basically they're made by the guys that make the machines, huh. which is, which I, it's like, I don't know where anywhere else where I could, I mean, I, I'm sure I could someplace like Los Angeles or I'm sure there's people that would do that, but that's pretty it's cool. so accessible here. If you know where to find it, right. That it's kind of another, one of those cool quirks about being here. Um, also the cost of living is low enough that I don't freak out. Well, right.
0: Yeah, it's definitely different than LA. That's for sure.
3: oh
1: my God, yes, there. <laughs> yeah,
0: no doubt. Um, we've got another super chat question, but I, I'm I'm just curious. What are you eating, Dave? Or what are you? you I you? wasn't eating it. Oh, because I'm starting to get hungry. I was like, I wanted to go. No, get that food. that was a that
1: was a uh, no. That was my table falling apart. that I was tearing something off of.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> okay. Nothing. I Guys. Nothing good like that. All oh, right. I
0: thought it was some chips or something. I'm like, oh. um, so mo- wait, 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 modern vintage has a question. Uh, I'm mostly a metal player. I love my butter slacks V30 cab. Any reason to get a 100 deluxe besides the clean channel? I mostly use channel two, then channel three for the meaner tone. So he's using channel two and channel three for the butt with his butter slacks. Any reason to get the 100 deluxe?
1: I mean, I, 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 if you're mainly using that stuff, I don't. I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. I don't really see why you'd have to have the deluxe. I mean, if you needed other sounds and other, you know, uh, less sort of heavy things, maybe. But no, it's not really gonna. No, you don't need it. <laughs>
2: okay, yeah. Uh, David, I've got, a, I've got a question i i don't i'm not looking enough to have a friedman dealer near me but i if, if like a, for a blues guy is the dirty surely the the most appropriate of your answers yes guy that just wants a, a single 12 combo that they can
1: yes can classic uh,
2: fat uh uh yeah classic fat warm yes yes sure I think that yep. I think I, I think I may need to put that on my list of must have items for the year. I'll, I'll, we can we can work that out.
0: It's uh it's also great. I mean, you can get from bluesy stuff and then you could also go to like Van Halen with the Dirty Shirley. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, it
1: gives you a lot of it gives you from actually all the way pretty clean actually, too.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it gives you
1: pretty everywhere in between. But it's a very fat tone. Yes. And okay. it's uh uh, I would tend to say on the darker side. Well, you know,
2: I think personally that that's what I prefer for blues with that style of amp. I
3: yeah.
2: Because I, I often I'll, I've got a, a matchless lightning clone, and that's a pretty dark amp. Mm. And I find that works great for either humbuckers or... It, it, Uh, Or single coil pickups, but that's a a darker, chunkier sounding amp. Right. Is it along that line? When you say darker, is that got more low end thump?
1: Oh, it definitely has that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. It's got lots of low
2: end. Yeah, I think clean. I like having an amp if you're playing that or edge of breakup that's got low end thump like that. Yeah, I think you'd (laughs) like it then.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure.
0: Uh, Michael Gutierrez. Thanks for uh, the super chat. It says, "Hey guys, how do you describe a good original PAF to a bad one, and what are your thoughts on the double cream Demarzio thing?" Love the show, guys. <laughs> ah, the double cream. The dub-
2: <laughs> okay, so, well, w- the first question was uh, what w- uh, the difference between a good and a bad PAF? Yeah,
0: a good original PAF to a bad
2: one. Okay. Um. Well, the interesting part of this with just about anything tonal is someone's great tone is also someone else's horrible tone. Very mm-hmm. often.
0: Yeah. Very true. Um,
2: mm-hmm. But I find the the ones, very often if they're, you can have PAFs that are very high resistance and they often, I find, work very well for slide. But if you want to play a variety of music, it's uh, it's not it's not going to have the sort of dynamic range or possibilities of lower resistance style PAF will. So, and they tend to get a very higher resistance. You you may notice too much of disparity between the very upper uh, treble on the unwound strings and the treble content of the low strings. And there's no way to, you can't really adjust that out so you have that difference it's a little harder to get a balanced tone out of it that way so i would say the the worst pafs are, are don't have a good enough balance between the lows and the highs between the high e and the low e strings um a, a, a good one and it, i i my experience with them is that there are some that are v- very, very good, and they most of them are actually very clear. Even the ones that you might not consider outstandingly great pickups, but the ones that stick out as being particularly bad are the ones that don't have the balance between the low and the high end.
1: Mm-hmm. And what I, is- I sort of understand, like. For me, that to answer that question, um, of the ones I've heard, and I have some clients that have had beautiful 59 Les Pauls with great PAFs, and the ones I like the most are the ones that actually are, have a kind of a nice little mid-range grunt to them with the top end that's not too presency mm-hmm. and the low end that's not too extreme. I've heard other ones that sound... Brighter on the top end, brighter presence with bigger low end, which tend to be kind of loose sounding and not really that mm-hmm. great. I mean, I'm talking for like more of a Marshally rock sort of yeah. tone. Yeah. Uh, the ones with a little bit of a mid-range growl in the middle is the ones I prefer. Now, I know this one particular guitar that I'm thinking about. Uh, it could be the guitar too, but god it has it's a 59 and god it's good
2: sounding holy crap every time i hear that guitar i'm like yeah there's i there's definitely you cannot take the guitar out of the equation yeah with with a lot of that and um there are some guitars that and it does make it it does make it more of a distance or difference with something like a paf because it's not potted Mm -hmm. it's not wax potted so you it does get the acoustic resonance of the guitar coming through the pickup and so the that which is part of the great character of them but so ideally you'd have a very good synergy between the pickup and the acoustics of the guitar and yeah some of the, some guitars in the, with P90s you'll often notice that too some guitar pickup combinations it's just perfect oh. and it doesn't seem to really depend as much upon the resistance or the magnet as much as it does it just works well with that guitar. The pickup does. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, oh, we've got another question. Um, oh, well, let's go back to the double cream question before. Oh. we get... So,
2: oh, yeah. Um, actually, my feeling about this is. That I, I'm just only ever going to offer a pickup with a cover. <laughs> so I don't ever have to wade into these waters mm. because uh, the, the, it is, I mean, it, to, to me, it, it's, uh, you know, that cream color, it, actually, interestingly, the cream color is, uh, I think, really a function of the, um, what, it, I think it has more to do with, because they, they made their P90s covers out of the same material and i'm sure it's for gibson it was just a matter of i'm sure they had that available material to run some of the bobbins and wasn't an issue to them this only became an issue when the it became uncovered and people realized these are the cream double cream pay pre-afs are the least uh, abundant and also strangely tend to be the hotter higher resistance ones but that's right i think really a function of the era in the timeline of when they're made. But as far as the Demarzio cream thing, this is sort of, it's like, I I don't want to poke that bear, honestly, (laughs) because it's, uh, he does have the trademark for it. I'm not the one in charge of handing them out. My understanding is the trademark is for exposed double cream bobbins. Mm -hmm. I do find it interesting that they're, their language I believe in the trademark is that it's for uh, a cream or uh, it's, it's it's loosely defined as a cream color and uh, knowing working with in photography and with graphic designers that's not how color is defined it's defined with Pantone colors with a specific value so it's 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 easily defined and so if it's a trademark color i i would think it needs to be more more precisely defined yeah yeah and interestingly my experience with it is that um a real vintage paf it varies in color if it's a cream bobbin depending upon how how what environments it's been it's been exposed to whether the cover's been off the color will fade out of it sometimes it can get darker Sometimes they get, get lighter, lighter to bone color, and you'll see this with the uh, P90 covers as well. Uh, the, it'll depend on whether or not, and I didn't realize this until my plastic molder for the P90 covers pointed it out, but it, it depends on whether or not they, Gibson used clear plastic or what's called natural plastic, which is uh, basically the bone color color, as the base material that they added colorant to, and so the the clear material, butyrate, will tend to darken with age, mm-hmm. and the the material that started out bo- um, natural, the color will fade out and it'll turn bone-colored. So, but Demar, I I've, I've found just from what I have seen of Demarzio's cream color that it's it's generally not in the range that I would expect from a vintage cream color right but but so if, they, if that if that's something they want to define you know their trademark for it I'm just surprised that there's not a, a clear definition as to what that color is and I would think that they would want to do that um, right. so that well, it was in their defined. case right in their yeah. case
0: it's pretty broad so they they they've got no competition in that area yeah is 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 that one of the reasons why all your pickups your PAFs are are uh, covered just to avoid that well, whole that I, whole issue
2: well there's two parts of that one is very often uh, we sell a lot of covers because we use a thinner material and cosmetically they're very close to a vintage PAF so honestly i i want I kind of think it should go with the pickup if you're getting a PAF repro. Um, but the other part of it is, you know, I, I don't want to, I just don't want to get involved in that part of it. And having a covered pickup is a, is a safe way to, to stay away. from yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. and Dave. But I, I, Some guys are like, they're incensed by it. And they feel it's an injustice that, that, that as far as, limiting the market for other people Mm -hmm. and i guess i can see their side of it i can see both sides of it it does i know part of the argument is too that you know there's many cream parts on a guitar and uh, it's not unreasonable for a consumer to expect to to find a wide range of aftermarket parts that would match those cream like the binding and Mm-hmm. the rings and other parts on the guitar but again i'm not in charge of making the rules on that so mm-hmm. i'll leave it to others who want to
1: and dave all your your uh
0: humbuckers are black right
1: no or cream black
0: uh, or okay or cream black yeah. gotcha i didn't re- I, I didn't see that yeah, yeah.
1: okay uh, or or you can always do the way that Duncan has done it for years. It's like, if you want a double cream, you can have a double cream, but I'm going to send you a pickup that's covered. <laughs> right. So well, what happens after? I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: we, yeah. won't, we won't say any more after that. <laughs> I'm sure that goes well. On.
2: You know, the, the other part of the cover with a with, uh, PAF is it affects the tone. There's a reason. Yeah. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason people took them off, and there's some re- a reason some people like them on. Mm-hmm. You'd get a different character, and I think you need to have it as an option. If you're, I, my feeling with it is, I'm I'm selling a very expensive pickup, and part of it is the cover. And I, I, I whether or not the person knows it when they buy it, I think they need to have it. And it, uh, frankly, it, if they ever want to sell it, it's worth more with the cover. Right. Is especially to, to a potential buyer in the future. Right. Oh, the other, the other part is, and this actually, I wouldn't have actually expected this was as big of an issue, but um, it, it does protect the pickup. I mean, there's a real reason to have it on and uh, the cover on. And I, I'm, I'm always surprised by it. Periodically, I'll get pickups back that are not working And you'll get it and you'll be like, well, this is, it's not working because it needed the cover on. Something's happened that's, that's compromised the coil and from just from a, it now would be different too, if you were wrapping them with a fabric tape, but we use paper tape like the vintage ones. And it's not, it's not real common for them to fail from the coil being compromised, but Mm-hmm. It uh, it's more of a chance through the tape, but but there's just it's upping that chance, yeah. and by having the cover on, you're now making it someone else's. You're giving them fair warning, I guess. So that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I know one of the common issues with uncovered humbuckers is that your uh, your high E string always gets caught on the yeah, can... the bobbin, right?
1: And then can wreck the
0: pickup.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, It's not real common. It can happen.
0: um, Adam Gothridge. Thanks, Adam, for the super chat. He says, John, recently played a 64SG and loved the pickups. Super open and dynamic sound. Can you recommend one of your pickups that might be similar? Thanks.
2: Yes. We we have a set called the E, uh, again, or... Well, actually, the, the naming system makes sense sort of for this. It's called the ESG-102B. The reason it's... that is That set is based upon a 64SG we had in the shop that we had for, for a while. For weeks, we had it here, and we were able to compare against it, hmm. that set. That era, that era, you will find pickups that are... PAF spec, but lower resistance. That set is, I believe it's 7.3 K bridge, 7.5, 7.5, 7.4 neck. But it's an interesting combination of specs for that era because they still, some of them still have an internal start wire, which makes the coil fatter for the number of turns that it would have without the internal start wire and but it's also a low resistance pickup pickup with short magnets and that guitar had short a5 in the bridge and short a2 in the neck and i i actually have a theory that gibson did this as a way to not real reliably because their specs are not real consistent but very often with a 90 and a um A PAF, if there's A two in it, it's very often in the neck pickup. My theory is it's a way to for them to equalize output by putting the stronger magnet in the bridge pickup. That makes sense. Yeah. So and it does you do get a little bit more that that difference in, in magnet, you'll it'll change you get a little bit the middle position tones a little bit chimier, I find, if those two magnets Hmm. Are different, right?
0: That's nice. That's but, cool.
2: yeah. For, so for the, the for 64 era, the ESG 102B is is our version of that.
0: Okay, cool. Dave, you tired. Literally,
2: Dave,
1: mm-hmm. are you tired? Oh, I was up really early today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not even late here. I was up really early though. No, I was hear you. Like
0: Five. I hear you. Yeah, it's. I was. I've been up early too. Uh, working really early um well I, i've
1: been i've been down at the factory every day this week oh yeah every day getting B 100 deluxes out the door
0: oh yeah when is, uh, when's the official release of that 26th
1: nice so but you know we start shipping orders ahead of time so they're you know at the stores for the release right and then inevitably some store will violate the release and sell it anyway
0: it happened with the JJ
1: Junior. It sure did. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to happen any minute with the with the deluxe. It's like when that happens, what's the penalty to these people? Well, you know, sometimes you the, what can. You do. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like maybe maybe their next order is not going to get their, uh first. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah. So.
0: Interesting. Um, But yeah, you
1: know, it happens always.
0: Well, at least there's demand. That's a good thing, but abide by the rules. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Modern Vintage says, Tone Talk, Friedman Amplification, any Friedman merchandise such as tees and hoodies coming soon?
1: Well, I can tell you right now if you want a Friedman t-shirt, you can just look up Friedman T-shirt uh, online and you will see on a reverb shop, Motor City Guitar has them. Oh, so, cool. uh, I mean, I could sell you some too, but right now they have them in stock and they're selling them online, so it's easy to do. So, uh, so uh, go buy it from my best buddy, Marty. So Cool. Um, and he's getting... He's going to get more, too, because he's going to run out because he said they've been going like crazy. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you guys didn't hear Eventually,
1: we will have an online shop, but uh, it's not set up yet for our merch. So mm-hmm. we'll let you know when it is. And we'll have other things, too, like hoodies and hats and various other stuff.
0: So you want to say again where, they, where the T-shirts, Friedman T-shirts can be got?
1: Well, right now, uh, Motor City Guitar has them up for sale on Reverb. Okay. So I imagine if you go to Reverb and search Friedman T-shirt, you would find it. Cool. Um, and it might also be going up on their web page, he told me. So.
0: Well, good. BMO, thanks for the super chat. Uh, he says, John, would you consider making an artist series like a Neil Young set like his old Black Gibson or some iconic players?
2: I uh, Well, the thing with that is, you know, it, with a living celebrity, you kind of need their permission. <laughs> or <So, laughs> well, it can but, be inspired.
0: Uh, it can be inspired by, yeah. right?
2: No, that's true. I mean, I do have in most most PAF-style picket makers do have something like a Peter Green set. We've got something like that. Oh. I do actually have, this is going to be released this summer, a Paul Kossoff set that is actually based upon... The owner of one of his bursts mm. having me duplicate the pickups in that and that's actually that'll be this summer i've got it's all done except it, it actually has an interesting story that guitar does and um i'll give a it, so it actually has a, a strangely um, possible connection to peter green's guitar and i didn't realize this until the covers came off the pickups on Paul Kassov guitar, so the, I'll, I'll, at the risk of this being too convoluted, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. No,
0: this is this we get geeky here.
2: Okay, so so, so the lore with Peter Green's guitar is it, it has a middle position out of phase tone, right, and it's distinctive to that to Peter Green sound and, and that guitar. And the neck pickup in the state it's in now has the magnet flipped. But it also has the braided lead replaced with tele- a two-conductor telephone wire. And the lore is, and there's info to back this up, that the, that pickup stopped working properly. Peter Green brought it into, uh, oh, I forget, is it Selmer? But essentially, the person who re- who was who repaired it was a, a guy named Sam Lee, who was in England at the time, who did a lot of guitar repair. And this is a, w- a well-known story, but they was not expert at at um, electronic repair. And the part of the story is that it was reverse wound, and this is why it's out of phase. Peter Green's pickup. The But the reality is that uh, his magnet is flipped on this guitar. So anyway, for this out of fate reverse-wound out-of-face story, the way it was portrayed to me by a contemporary of Sam Lee, who talked to me about it, is that at the time, a Fender pickup was the most likely pickup to fail. And that Sam Lee had formed VAR wire in order to rewind a Fender pickup, and the wind direction that was would have been you expected for a fender, fender pickup was opposite of a Gibson. And this is what Sam Lee, who is not experienced electronic uh, work for guitars, did to rewind that pickup. Therefore, one of the coils is reverse wound. And in his effort to make it work, he got it to work in phase with itself, but ended up flipping the magnet in his effort to get it to work properly. So this is, this is my understanding of the story. Okay, so Paul Kossoff's guitar, the one that we made pickups to duplicate with the help of the current owner, his, his guitar has a broken neck that's been grafted and it was grafted by Sam Lee. Um, it, it broke, I guess, apparently, Paul Kossoff threw this guitar in the air at the last free show and it landed and broke its headstock, and was subsequently sold, or traded, repaired by Sam Lee, and then went back into Paul Kosov's possession when he uh, when he um, was doing Backstreet Crawler. This was the the Les Paul that he had until his death. Um. Anyway, so it has a Sam Lee repair. Well, the story with with uh, Peter Green's neck pickup, as I understand it, and part of the speculation is that it has one reverse wound coil with form bar wire in it, done by Sam Lee. The bridge pickup in Paul Kossoff's guitar, when the cover's off, it has one pick, it has one, the, the bridge pickup has one coil reverse wound with form bar, huh. just like what is supposedly in Peter Green's. So, uh, and the bridge pickup magnets flipped, but the middle position tones in phase. So, the <laughs> the bridge pickup is accidentally wired out of phase. Huh. And so, the, whoever did the repair flipped the bridge magnet in order to put it back to normal phase when the two are together. So... From this, it's not unreasonable to assume that um, that repair was likely also done by Sam Lee. Incorrectly in the same manner that it is speculated to have been done to Peter Green's pickup.
0: You'd be amazed why people kept going back to this guy. (laughs) What the hell he was doing? The
2: the reality is there weren't many options.
0: Yeah, I guess so. You know, to
2: repair your electronics at that time. Yeah, that makes sense. um, but the interesting, it does change the signal path, and it is a different sound with having one, literally the uh, the coil that is reverse wound on Paul Kostos bridge pickup is actually even installed backwards. You can see the form bar wire through the hole on the pickup, huh. and so it, it it has a little effect, the, the difference in wire has a definite effect on the tone of it, and uh, you're also changing the signal path as to what it would be normally if it were assembled properly and wound in the correct direction both coils but so, anyway that's, that's going to be a signature set that will be released this summer
0: okay cool so we've got two questions um, and I think we already answered them so uh, Cecil Music uh, John are you allowed to do double cream bobbins the answer is no Right?
2: Yeah. Or not Seymour. DeMarzio has the trademark for exposed double cream bobbins. Right.
0: And then, Dave, when will you put out a 2x12 vertical cab? He said, Dave already said that he's uh, already DeMar- That's
1: done. I just got to get it into production and then, you know, announce it and release it and all that stuff. So I don't have an exact definitive answer for you. <laughs> right. And
0: Ed, Ed Bauer says we'll do on the t-shirts and guys if you want um, tone talk t-shirts I still have got uh, a lot of mediums in stock if you guys are mediums uh, so we're get, doing those on sale for 1499 plus shipping five bucks so uh, those are on sale so let me know reach me at tone talk mark maRC at gmail.com and um, and then Cecil Music says, "I imagine he can do double cream under a cover." Uh, well, we won't go there. Um,
2: it, it's a question that never stops, <laughs> even, even on a daily basis. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can imagine.
2: Yeah, I'm trying. Is there anything similar in the amp world to this? Like, is there some is, is uh, there something you're not supposed to do that everybody... well, not everybody does. Um, but that you can't essentially something that you're there's got to be something that's proprietary but off the top of my head fact, I can't think I can't think of anything but there probably is you know there's interesting things too about like um, a lot of these trademarks is that some of them are because uh, I believe demarzio has others but some of them are are kind of a byproduct of the assembly process in, mm-hmm. in the 50s. Like air gaps and things like that.
0: Well, I know Mezaboogie yeah. Boogie. has Boogie uh, has certain patents on things that
1: well, trademarks and patents are a little different. But, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. runs
2: out. Really. Fortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess that trademark too is it's well, it's a trademark. They're they're claiming that that visual look is theirs. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I meant patent actually. I think don't don't yeah. they have a patent on certain certain things? On,
2: they have trademarks on
1: certain circuits
0: Oh, they have trademarks on certain circuits yeah. Okay, so it's not a patent Okay Um. Douglas Dog one Super Chat, thank you uh, What differences could be expected Wait, am I
1: confusing that? I might be confusing that
0: I thought a trademark was more like the visual aspect of
1: Trademark it. is what Patents run out, correct? Yes, patents yes. run out trademarks
2: are forever. I I think you actually have to renew a trademark and you also have to show a history of enforcement. I think that's how that works. I I think they run out at different times. I don't know. I'm not an expert on that, but...
1: Yeah, but a patent runs out after 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think the DeMarzo is a trademark, isn't
2: it? Yep. Yep, I believe so. Yeah.
0: Huh. That's based on the visual aspect of it.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Douglas Dog One. What difference could be expected changing a around seven k Humbucker Alnico five bar magnet to an Alnico four? If any notable, if any noticeable, especially any noticeable difference, especially on an amp set for light crunch. Alnico
2: four. I guess I need to preface this: is that my basis for describing the magnets has to do with our magnets. the The reality, the reality.
3: Right back.
2: Keep going. Yeah, the reality is that um, that something like like we we offer I, mean, I offer four different varieties of Co five, and they all have a different tonal character. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is due to Uh, how they're heat treated and the other part is due to the differences in metal mix between manufacturers, which in a pickup affects the sound of it, primarily through inductance. But um, so, so, but ours are USA cast and made magnets. Most available. So our, what I, my opinion on this is based upon what we have uh, made for our pickups, Al Alica four, five, and two overseas made, pretty much as a general rule, charge is much higher than the domestically made, and that it has an effect on the, the treble response of the pickup. But so what I'm, my opinion here is based upon our, our magnets which are cast for us in the U.S. But Alnico four compared to Alnico five and oriented Alnico five. Which is the normal spec for Alnico 5. Um, Alnico 4 is going to have a higher disparity between the upper treble and the lower treble, or so the treble content of the low end, than Alnico 5 will, an oriented Alnico 5. So in the wrong guitar, 7.7K pickup, which it actually 7K to me, if it's a PAF is, I, if I if I get a a pickup in that's vintage that's 7k i actually usually assume that it's there's something wrong with it i haven't seen basically for me the lower end of what properly working paf is almost always is going to be if it's below 7.2k it's often an indicator something's up with the pickup
3: mm-hmm.
2: but um the uh alico four it has the potential of having too spiky a treble relative to too weak, too too little definition in the low end than Alnico five will. Speaking of the magnets that we have cast, mm. um, so that with you might notice that as a particular problem in a seven point seven K pickup, the four might not be might not be. Uh, might be problematic might not though with your setup though but and five two is going to have a more uh, faster punchier attack than the alnico four mm-hmm. will
0: okay thank you so. um tone wars thanks for the super chat i think that's jack
1: him oh is there yes stay curious Dave, I like my Mesa amp, but can you tell me why that Mesa amps get muddy when the bass is past three? Why did they design it like this? <laughs> I no idea. Turn the bass down and use the graphic EQ. <laughs> hmm. If you're talking about a Mark series, uh, it's always been that way. I don't understand myself. It's, don't get. I don't get it. Okay. So. There you go. Stay curious. Uh, uh, I got no it, answer.
2: It, is something like that, can it be chalked up to the that whoever does, whoever is making the choices prefers single coils?
1: Could
2: be. Could
1: be. it could be they have no idea of uh, what a good amp sounds like. It, could be, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: it could, be, could be they hear it different than we do. Could be yeah. uh, lots of things, you know
0: interesting so the question from tone wars was uh, please explain clipping in amps and pedals and the benefits thank you
1: hmm. well clipping is anytime you clip anything into distortion uh but i think what you're referring to in pedals is when you're clipping diodes or leds or 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 certain things like that um how do i explain
2: this the benefits. Uh, I'm I'm probably not the guy to ask.
1: An I'm answer. not the guy to... I I don't know if I can really explain this properly. So <laughs> I mean, like in a pedal, I mean, if you have a if you have a clipping circuit in a pedal, a way to achieve distortion, essentially, and yeah. there's different ways to achieve distortion by clipping diodes or LEDs. Uh, in tube amps, you're clipping tube stages. You're just seriesing them together to get more distortion but diodes can also be used in amps to do sort of a diode clipping like a silver Uh,
2: Silver
0: jubilee did that
1: right a silver jubilee yes correct
2: my Uh, my my limited experience with it is with the overdrive boost i I added a clipping diode pair to it and what i found most uh, the the tone i liked was a, a germanium diode and then a germanium transistor set up as a, a clipping diode and there was an asymmetry with that that gave a character that you did, wouldn't have with just the exact same diode for the clipping circuit so yeah. maybe a some asymmetry there i th- and maybe it was just sort of the function of of the two diodes or diode and clipping transistor acting as a clipping diode but that seemed i thought i thought you got a little extra amp like character out of setting it up that way but but that's the only experience i've got really firsthand with it
0: gotcha okay well i hope we answered your question um tom dick but harry's not around so just tom and dick um Says Dave, the Oxbox or a Boss tube expander? Any thoughts?
1: I think another guy kind of explains it a little further down. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, the tube expander has more features. Um, probably better suited in a live format. Um, the OX, man, they're both they're both going to get you great results. Uh, I mean, there's pluses and minuses. There's a there's a great video from Anderton's. Uh, yeah, actually goes that. through both of them. Uh, watch it. That might give you a better idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was actually a good video, and they actually do go into uh, the pluses and. Pretty good minuses. detail. Yeah, yeah, the pluses and minuses. What I what I liked about the boss is that it, it tended to have more it had the effects in it you know um, but then I also like the fact that the visual aspect of the uh, the ox you had it had Bluetooth so you could just use your iPad and actually see but with the uh, with the boss you had to plug in it plug it into your laptop or your computer and use the editor there plugged in wired. So there's, you know, pluses and minuses on both of them. I actually really like the power station, the Friat power station. Um, and then just use some IRs and you'll be good. Um, so here's a question. Bare Knuckle does double cream. How are they allowed? Or Is it because they're in another country? Cecil Music.
2: I, I Again, I'm not totally sure on this. I suspect the 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 DeMercius trademark is domestic. If that's the case, I assume that's why. But honestly, I I, I couldn't tell you definitively.
0: Okay. Uh, Ed Bauer, Mark and Dave, you guys should do a run of Tone Talk guitar picks. I've been thinking about doing that actually, with the logo and stuff. Look out for it. I'll make I know it the easy. guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll get some made up. Uh EVH and Randall Smith, the two people I want to see on Tone Talk, Deja Blue. I'd love to have EVH. Sure. Of course. Uh don't think that's ever going to happen, just being completely honest. Um, and Randall Smith is always welcome to come on. Um, uh, you know, Dave, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
1: there'd be some drama if I had Randall Smith on.
0: There probably would be.
1: Yeah.
0: He'd have to be prepared to talk about the Saldano situation, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's we why. We had enough drama with that, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yeah, well, there was definitely a lot of drama about that, that's for sure.
2: Hey, hey Dave. I I, th- I should probably mention that one reason I like watching the show. I mean, I've, uh, is that I am always intrigued by people's stories as to how they either got into mu- making music, mm-hmm. or how they got into uh, uh, making stuff that musicians want. Yeah, yeah. How did you make the? Did you gradually make the step into manufacturing, or or was it was it something that? You kind of like just seemed like the logical thing to do.
1: Um, I moved from Detroit um, in 1987, I believe, '88, '87, '88, and and that's a little now; it's a long time ago. And uh, I went to work for Andy Brower Studio Rentals. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was always a guitar player and a musician in Detroit and stuff, and I, you know, played some. I remember playing bars that I shouldn't have been playing when I was 16 years old, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I always had this passion for a- anything I ever did. I always took it apart and try to figure out how it worked. You know, I used to be really into racing, uh, BMX bikes and stuff. Uh, so, so, I mean, I could take a bike apart and, Strip it down and put it back when I was got when I was probably twelve. I love you that know? stuff. When I was a kid. The same, it bikes out of the trash when I was twelve. Yeah, I mean, like I love that stuff. Yeah. And crazy outside all the time, riding and racing and jumping and just all the time. But I got into guitar, and you know, the, you know that changed, and you know, I just but everything I did, I always wanted to learn everything there was to know about it. So. Just like you wanted to learn everything there was about how to make this PAF, you know, and yeah. researching it and figuring it out. And it used to be hard. It used to be hard to research things. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, information was scarce. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I remember when I could drive, I, I, when I first got my license, I thought, well, now I can call everybody on the phone and try to convince them to show me how they do refrets.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: so yeah so i moved
1: uh well first of all i had sold a couple old orange cabinets i had um in michigan to andy brower in california okay uh and he said if if you ever move out here you know come see me so i went and saw him and you know you know i knew him from magazines and different things and i went to see him and uh eventually basically he offered me a job And I went to work for the studio instrument rental company. Now what that did for me was that, um, surrounded me. I already knew amps. I mean, not how to work on them, so to speak yet, but uh, you know, I was 18 at the time. So. You you, you knew what, you knew what a good one was and what. I knew what great, I knew about Marshalls. I knew what, I knew what was up with that, but what, um, the education of the studio instrument rental company was for me is every kind of vintage guitar, every kind of vintage amp. I mean, there was in in the, in the display room up front, it's like, there's, you know, eight blackface Fender amps, you know, uh, from everything. Princeton down deluxe Mm. twin pro vibralux, everything tweed stuff. Um, Marshalls modded Marshalls, high Watts, Everything known to mankind. Yeah. So what that did for me is I was able to understand and listen to every single kind of amp imaginable. Uh, more so than anyone, no one has heard as many amps as I have. You know. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're not, I mean, if you're not surrounded by it all the time, you wouldn't get a chance to hear. What does the Selmer Zodiac sound like? Most people won't know. Yeah. They're, they're more apt to know what a Plexi sounds like, and very few people know what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, it and so, came and gave me a really strong background.
2: So at, you, and you had the opportunity to discover that as a guitar player? Yes. With the exposure to that, okay.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Then working with um, session musicians, delivering their gear. Um, eventually, he had a guy that was making rack systems for people and stuff at the time. And uh he wound up leaving the company and I had been watching him and I'm like, hey, I think I can do that. So I just butted my nose in there and started doing it for Andy Brower. And that just sort of snowballed. So the majority of my career was making systems for famous guitar players. Yeah. Systems, pedal boards, racks, it depends on the era we're talking, you know. This is a career spans a lot of years. Um and in the early '90s, uh, a client of mine, who a guy walked in, who became a client of mine, um, Randy Jacobs, who used to play in Was Not Was, okay, from Detroit originally. And he brought in the Soldano preamp that Bruce Egnater had modded. I knew Bruce from Detroit from when I was a kid.
3: Yeah,
1: I had amps worked on by him and stuff, and. Um, and I heard this preamp, and I'm like, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" You know, we, you know, I called them up and I go, "Hey, look, we got to make a preamp. You got to make a preamp. I'm going to help you with this. Let's let's make a you know a four channel guitar preamp." <clears throat> so we did, and we tweaked it, and it became wildly popular. I helped get it into all the you know artist hands and different things. They used it at the time. And it became very popular, and then we moved on to amps. And during that time is when I really learned to work on amps with yeah. from, from Bruce, you know. from It's like you said, learning how to do the refret from the guy, you know, like, show me yeah, yeah. what you yeah. do. Well, I learned electronics from starting with him. And, um, and then, you know, that just snowballed over the years, you know. I kept doing that, and then I started dabbling in amps and then making my own amps and doing amps with other people and
2: yeah did you did you make a transition then from modding to manufacturing? So yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I still
1: mod. Yeah. Yeah, I still mod and do stuff like that. And
0: yeah, then
2: I, I I I I think I think it's interesting because you know, obviously I think so many people get into this because they have a love for the guitar playing that leads to a love of the the gear. Mm. yeah yeah but, but you know like again it's 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 like
1: i'm a little obsessive about stuff and that's that's what drives me you know it's yeah. like no amp i've ever designed is perfect and i'm always second guessing it well it wouldn't be interesting to talk- I, i'm always second guessing it maybe yeah. i can make it better and generally i can't but, you know, and sometimes I have to go, wait a minute. Everyone likes it. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Because um, uh, you know, I'll drive myself crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you. So when did you go from, because there was a Friedman line, then you went to Boutique Amps, right?
1: Well, like any small business, you have capital issues. Uh, and... Uh, if you don't have enough capital, you really can't make the company function. Um, so we were we were making our own amps, uh, and then George Metropolis was making amps for us. Right. When it got to be a little bit bigger than our, well, we lost one of our builders, and then just like George, you can make them for us, and which worked out pretty well for a while. But then we got to a point where we needed more amps than he could deliver, and and it's still a money thing, you know? It's like if you don't have a couple million dollars in the bank, yep. it's hard to float a company to do numbers, you know? Onesies, twosies, sure, you can do that. But um, it's hard, and that's where most small businesses get into trouble. They don't have the capital, and then they get in trouble. They start, you know, if they take deposits, then the owner you know, paying his rent with the deposit, and then you're paying up, and then, It's this whole ugly mess that winds up happening, and then everyone gets pissed off. Yeah, just put it simply and quickly.
2: In the pickup world, the sort of the classic story is that someone gets recognized as making a great pickup, and then they quickly get a backlog of orders. W B pickups? uh, What? There was a company called W B Pickups. Oh, there's, there's, there's. Know about them? Oh yeah, there's countless numbers of guys that this has happened to, and then they get uh, such a backlog, year year and a half, that I, I, they either start losing track of who needs to get what, and it, it snowballs into a death spiral for some of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Or if they take in a deposit, they spend the money, and
2: yeah. it's just. Yeah, starting out with uh, when I, j- even when it was, uh, this was a, uh, a side business for me, I, I, it just became apparent very quickly that having a waiting list was creating a whole new level of work and distraction mm-hmm. that I vowed that it, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, so if someone orders from us, it's made to order, but it leaves within five days, five business days of getting the order. And
0: uh, that's great. Yeah. It's awesome. And, yeah.
2: And if it's a guitar company, we're shipping within two weeks of getting the order. So places like Collings order pickups from us and can reliably get them quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're probably one of the few. Boutique, sort of highly customizable makers that can turn that around, that size order around that quickly. Mm -hmm. And the practice of just committing right off the bat to never having a, a backlog that that became unmanageable kind of trained me to make sure I had the parts on it. This was really why I decided to have all my own part a large part of me deciding to have my own parts manufactured is that having to deal with um, a parts supplier that's uh, for, for your, your materials, it it can quickly get you into trouble. So all of our parts are either every, every piece of the pickup is either done with our tooling uh, molded with our mold. The only thing that I haven't paid to have made is the the black paper tape. And that's, yeah. because, that's because I can't find anybody that will do it. Yeah, <laughs> Back of the old stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's funny.
2: But yeah, they, 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 this went to when I went to just being the manufacturing part of the, of the business. It really did take me a year and a half, two years to realize that uh, it, it's just. Uh, the The way you handle money, capital, and your time is completely different than if you were than a service business. And I think that's the other part of it too. Um, maybe with pickup makers, it, it, it there's there's hundred, there's probably over three hundred pickup makers, and many of them make very nice stuff. But it's a it's become a cottage industry literally people making them in their house but they're they're very often dealing with the same bucket of parts because they're buying from the same sources Mm -hmm. and if there's a hiccup in that supply chain it quickly affects all of them
1: yeah sure yeah yeah. that's why we in our fashion we we make almost everything so all the cabinets are made at our factory. All the, uh, you know, it's all the Tolexing is done there. Yeah. All the panels that go on the amplifiers are, are printed there and and laser cut there. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and you can make them as you need them rather than having to.
1: Correct. And we can also Tolex something custom for someone quickly.
2: Yeah. And it's not really a big deal to, to
1: do that. Um, but it also controls the supply. Yeah. So we're never... Oh, the cabinet maker said he was going to deliver the cabinets oh. on Tuesday. And now it's Friday and they're still not here. Yeah. And I got amp chassis sitting here done and guys sitting around not doing anything that I'm paying.
2: Yeah. I, I so. yeah, having my own parts made, I did not realize how like finding a good supplier is like discovering gold. <laughs> it, it, it's cuz it solves so many problems. Oh, he's on time. Wow. Literally, if you're the guy that supplies what you or supplies what was ordered on time, mm-hmm. it, it solves so many problems, which uh, actually which I just sort of informed to how to handle your own customers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. yeah. If if you're the guy that can supply reliably and Reliably supply what you're, what you're advertising and on time. People like that. I like that with the supplier. Absolutely. Oh my! There's so many, so many things that can be avoided by, by having a good supplier. No doubt. Yeah.
0: And then they have a bad supplier and they can totally screw everything.
2: Oh, we can immediately mess everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's why yeah, having a good supplier is great and then you have a hiccup and you're like, fuck. Um Yeah. So Peter Urban, uh thanks for the super chat. Thanks for a great show, he says. We appreciate it. Um Thanks. Peter. Here's an interesting question and I've wondered this myself cuz I'm a left-handed guitar <laughs> player. Um, I think I know the answer to it, but I'm just going to let you guys answer. He says, uh, I'm left-handed and in looking into finding new pickups for my Strat. Can Southpaws use any pickup or are there issues? Love the show.
2: Do you, do you want me to answer that one?
0: Sure. Go ahead.
2: Okay. In Theoretically, it should make no difference. The reality is for some of our pickup models, with pafs one of the specs that varies in vintage pafs is the steel uh, the carbon content of the steel pole screws so depending upon the model that may be a spec that we mix and match uh, different steel content pole screws you would not know by looking at them in order to uh, affect the the treble response of individual it doesn't of individual strings. It has a broader effect than individual strings because it doesn't see, it seem to only affect the individual, the one string. But depending upon the model with our stuff, it's actually useful for you to me to know if you're a left or right-handed person hmm. player because it may affect for that model what order we put the pole screws in. Interesting. That, now, that, that would have been you would with a vintage pickup that would have been if there was that variance that would be random but it would be random to that pickup and but so my my approach in making this stuff is there's random variables in the vintage stuff that affect the sound of it um yeah, weren't there a lot of random things in yeah, the vintage pickups? Yeah, it, there's the 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 pickup. The interesting thing about a PAF is there's a lot of little parts, and the specs change. Yeah. And cumulatively, individually they might have a small effect. Cumulatively, though, if you control them, they have a more pronounced effect on the finished pickup. Mm-hmm. So my approach has always been that I. Uh, so for the pole screws, for example. I've tested vintage ones and I know what the range of carbon content is. So I made four varieties of pole screws, which seems nuts because I have to order 20 to 40,000 of each of them to get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it has a subtle effect on the treble. So I use this as one of the variables I can control for different pickup models. And for something like the magnet wire, a vintage uh, PAF may have. The way wire was sorted in the 50s, 42 gauge was 42 gauge, and it's a tolerance uh, in both uh, ohms per foot and outside diameter. That variable in the 50s was, if you ordered 42 gauge, you got whatever was supplied to you in that tolerance. Now they offer it in min to nominal tolerance and nominal to maximum within 42 gauge. So a lot of pickup makers choose min to nominal in order to make it more consistent for them to uh, to wind pickups model to model, what I do is I get the full range of tolerance, and then I measure with micrometer, sort it with micrometer, uh, check the ohms per foot, and then I assign that specific spool to a specific machine. That I know that station always gets that wire, and that station is used for these pickups. So I'm, I can build in this random random variable that you find in the 50s but I can make it repeatable.
3: in uh-huh. different
2: pickup models. Mm-hmm. And it has a, something like that has a subtle effect on the attack of the pickup. And it it's one of those many things that you can control and have a finished pickup that is different this is one reason I have a variety of models. I, I manipulate these random variables in, in a controlled way to affect the character of it, of the, of the finished pickup. Mm-hmm. And I, since I have enough of these older machines, I, I've got two Lisona 102s. They have three stations. So I can afford to have them set up for different spools of wire and have whatever uh, unique properties. There might be minor variances in like wire um, guide difference between different models of machines and tolerance within the traverse, but mm-hmm. I can, I can have those six stations between two machines set up with different wire within that, within the 42 gauge tolerance. And then I can build pickups that take advantage of those without me having to juggle those differences without me having to juggle spools on one winding station wow so that i do that with with most of the machines that we well i sort the wire and assigned to specific stations for all the machines
0: gotcha uh for people watching make sure you hit the subscribe button we got a almost 140 people watching right now um so thanks for joining everybody who's watching by the way hope your friday's going good um We have a a question from Deja Blue. Freeman Guitar is going to do a neck through. You got the neck through master.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) don't know. (laughs) Uh, I guess that's possible in the future. Yeah, sure. Yes, we do have the neck through master, don't we? It seems logical that we would. (laughs) It does
0: seem logical, right?
1: I think we should make the Concord.
0: Oh, Um, dude. With the amount of problems that I...
1: (laughs) No, no. With slightly rounded corners. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. The slightly edged off pointy corners. Yeah,
0: it's a little bit thicker, too. (sighs) Yeah. But, yeah, that would be cool. That's for sure. Um,
1: Yeah. I don't know. We're still, you know, we're still building the guitar division. So, uh, I mean... um, we shall see. We shall see what comes next.
0: Cool. I'm not sure. Well, I saw the NoHo uh, 24, and that was killer guitar.
1: Yeah. that That's, that's apparently a, a big hit, if we could just produce them all.
0: Oh, they're hard to produce.
1: No, no, it's just they've been slow coming out. Oh, gotcha.
0: Dan Pfeiffer says, What about John Marshall on Tone Talk? Former metal church guitarist, Metallica Tech, has worked at Boogie, seems like a great guy. I don't know. Neither do I. If you know him, Dan, send him him our way. Um, So I was going to ask you, John. So, like you mentioned, there's a ton of pickup manufacturers. Um, I think I know the answer already because you've said a lot of these things that kind of differentiate you got you know your company versus others but what would you say is like you know the big differentiator why would you, why should somebody come to throwback for your stuff versus
2: you know well, Duncan
0: well, or somebody
2: there, well there's a there's a lot of manufacturers that that make nice stuff there's so then you you kind of can dial down that number by the number of manufacturers that can make 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 them at any volume that they can reliably ship them to either uh, a dealer or a guitar manufacturer in any quantity. That drops the number way down. Um, so as as far as someplace like Seymour Duncan, who who's honestly kudos to him, he's like a model for anybody I think that wants to do pickup making. He said so, he's a nice guy. He obviously has done something right. Yeah. His business. He he makes great stuff. He's he, he he's bought he years ago. He bought a stone bender for me. He, this shows how much of a nice guy he is. He 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 called me. He called me and said, "Hey, I hear you make a great tone bender clone. I I want I want one to, for some recordings I'm doing with Jeff Beck's Esquire that I have." And I said he said just uh, sure i said sure he said okay i'll mail you a check that's great and he emails and then he emails me at, you know a month or two later the recordings he did with it of him just playing guitar
1: yeah <laughs> very like,
2: nice man who who else does that i mean it's great so yeah. so um but they're making so a place like Seymour duncan makes great stuff but I don't think that they can afford to offer what they're making and controlling the parameters we're controlling with the sorting of wire. And um, yeah. also they they they've made choices in the manufacturing that that I recognize having paid attention to this as a manu- manufacturing um, that speed up their assembly time. Um, that I don't do because I know in order, I, I know that that has an effect if I'm making a vintage repro. So it, it, it's someone who wants very precise uh, reproduction in, in mechanic, in the uh, material specs, mechanical specs, um, in cosmetics. That is that is one detail that differentiates us from, from someplace like Seymour. Mm-hmm. And it, it, th- I don't know that they can, they can realistically control. Well, it said this in some of the things that we pay attention to partly because you have to, um, you kind of have to have the same people doing that process, but also just as one example, um, in order to really tightly control the resistance of the pickup, you really need to measure the wire, and you also have to manufacture them in a space that's tightly controlled for um, temperature. For the resistance reading to be meaningful, and we do that. And I'm sure Seymour does too, to some extent, but the, if he did it more the the level we do it would would have to raise the price and they've they've made decisions not to do that I, that are totally reasonable mm-hmm. but so our approach has been just add that extra level of accuracy and it does add up to a little to a tone difference
1: i mean the way i look at it is you, your your pickups are specifically targeting exact paf reproductions yeah. Yeah. Uh, of various areas of pafs um and I guess, strap pickups too, and Intelli's, right? Yeah. Te- yeah, oh. yeah, yeah we and, do. I mean, if you're looking for a vintage exact PAF style pickup, then, you know, John would be a great choice. Um, if you're looking for um, a metal pickup or something, or something that's out of the box or different than that vintage pickup, yeah then, you know, you might look at our buddy uh, Wade, Motor City. Oh, sure. He, he does. does those those kind of things great. Yeah. Um, and and also very, you know, very, cares a lot about what he's making and how he's making it and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. parts he's using and such. <laughs> uh, you know, and then Seymour Duncan also, you know uh, – for the boutique, you know, for the masses, I mean, Seymour Duncan does a fantastic job, and they do all sorts of styles of pickup with all sorts of styles of wire, yeah. and winding, and magnets, and things that. Where your company is specializing in?
2: Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm repros. Yeah,
2: so I'm it's very different. It's different. Yeah, I'm trying to focus on a very small yeah. window. And,
1: and and by no means is it to say that you can't. Use totally different parts and totally different things uh, with the way you wind it, and get a great sounding pickup. Oh sure, because yeah. you can. You can take, you know, here's the rest. Here's the ingredients I have to work with my recipe, and I got to see what I can make out of these ingredients. Okay, and you can make a good sounding pickup. So it will. It won't be an accurate PAF, but it doesn't mean it's a bad sound. Oh no, no, no. no. So, yeah, and
2: so part of the cool thing I found with doing this is that it's a much smaller sort of business world than you'd expect. So you meet people like Wade and, and uh, uh, Wolf McLeod and other pickup makers and manufacturers that, that you're you're, eager to help you in a sort of a, co-mutual way yeah yeah you know everyone should be friends yeah you know that's mutual, how i look yeah friends and the, there's information that that they have to share and mm-hmm. that i have to share that would benefit sure. both of us or you know the both parties and um that's it i was i'm i'm was pleasantly surprised that that's part of the fun of
1: yeah
2: of what do you know like, yeah yeah
1: oh okay well here's what i know
0: yeah. yeah that's the beauty of it yeah. that's what i love about that's,
1: that's, the fun, that's the fun part of it too and that's how i feel about you know i have so many friends in the in, in this in these boutique ant making world you know and i feel the same way i make my product and uh but i'm friends with stevie fryad and mike soldano and bruce Egnator and and george metropolis and they all make products and i say try them all and you know what the guitar player is going to buy his favorite
2: yeah
1: you're not you're not going to force him to buy yours if he likes that one mm-hmm. well so yeah. I, i'm always saying it's just here's what we have to offer and let the consumer decide what he likes the best
2: yeah and part and, of, part of it too that i i have to believe that almost everybody has gotten in, gotten into this partly for the love of gear yeah. right right sure. so, music gear yep so you you want it. You want to have other people's cheers. yeah you know, I this think part of the fun of it. <laughs> I think I
1: have to say a shout out too to what I would consider one of the. Uh, hmm, I guess Seymour Duncan. Okay, let me rephrase this. Uh, Seymour Duncan and obviously Demarzio were some of the first replacement pickups on the market. Um, not sure who came first. Is it Demarzio? I think it's Demarzio. I think, I think it's right. Demarzio. Uh, but for boutique, small manufacturers, one of the first people that were really doing great pickups was Lindy Fraylin. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Lindy made some amazing strap pickups. Um, killer strap pickups. And I still say anything he makes sounds good. Oh yeah. Whether it's exactly what you want or not. Okay. Whatever. But Anything he, I, I I'll guarantee you, anything you pick out of his, you'll like the sound of. It's a, it's a good pickup.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of like in the boutique world. Yeah. Lindy Fralin and Lawler have made a very yeah. good. Well, Lindy was the so, first. Yeah.
1: Like the first guy, you know. I remember that's like one of the first ones that were out of the gate, making these vintage Strat pickups and later humbuckers and stuff. But, um, and he was good at it. Still is good at it. Yeah, well, yeah, he,
2: he does a yeah, good job. I think yeah he I'm I I do my own website and have some of the benefit of knowing how to track people's traffic. He's still doing quite well at it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, for good reason. And, and you know, I think I think actually it's actually quite easy to order a pickup from him too on the way his website's <laughs> set up and stuff. Just go on there and do your specs and boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. you're done.
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any direct experience of, of uh, ordering from him, but I have to believe that he's an, he's, he's one of these guys that you're reliably getting good stuff all the time from. Super yeah. nice guy too. Yeah,
3: yeah
0: we, yeah, we, should, yeah, we need to have him on too.
2: Last understand. Yeah, he'd be a great guy to have on. Yeah, that'd be a good one.
0: Yeah, we should fun. have. Yeah, I, I, had, yeah, I
1: should try to reach out to. him.
0: I got a pair of his Strat pickups. Long, long time ago, the guitar is long gone and the pickups, but I remember putting them in and I was just like, Oh, this is what a strat should sound like.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're great. Yeah, they're great. And he had all sorts of different flavors of them too. So, yeah, you know. he used to make this one set of pickups called Woodstock 69s for uh, th- this was in the mid 90s when he first came out with them. So, they're reverse staggered magnets and stuff. And, uh, and the, the, the well. Uh, using a purple wire, I, all I remember is a, it's a purple wire that was uh, uh, that was you know characteristic of a, a pickup from that era, sixty-eight, sixty-nine. Would be the pretty And um, man, those pickups sounded cool. The reverse staggered magnets and stuff—they sounded great. Really like that that set. He stopped making them later, but. Huh, I never heard them. he still do the same line, but he, I don't think he does the reverse
2: with the Tiger magnets anymore.
0: Um, I don't know why he's not picking
2: them, actually. They're
1: great pickups.
2: You know, I don't I don't know that this is why, but the... Um, I mean, it's not really related to that, but we've been doing Strat pickups. We're coming out with Telecaster pickups uh, this summer. In fact, we're doing a first order for our Jap- uh, distributor there in Japan for for Telecaster pickups. But the reality is uh, with the, you know, it's such a, a Fender style pickup is wire magnets, compressed, you know, Vulcan fiberboard. But the choices for magnets has that much more of an impact on the sound. And the, the cost of USA magnets, which is what we use is now so much more than overseas that, um, I, I, I wish that, that I could find stuff that sounded exactly like the USA made, Yeah, they sound different and that that might inform, you know, it could, it may be, uh, I'm sure. makers have to make a choice about that at some point. I have decided to stick with it. you know the
1: interesting thing though is 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 like I think in in making some pickups myself
2: uh
1: even if you're using an overseas source for a magnet you might wind up using a different magnet than you would think yeah. you would use. Yeah. So maybe instead of using an Alnico 5 you use an Alnico 3 or Alnico 2 or to get the same result. So you have to you have to take what you're going to use and make the recipe work. Yeah. the, the, kind of. and, the and, and, and again, you're not going for, like with myself with my pickups, I'm not going for vintage accuracy at yeah, all. Yeah. So I'm going for something that I like the tone of. The, the, uh,
2: the frustration I had, now maybe it's different now, but the frustration I had years ago with overseas was that I would order a batch mm-hmm. and be very happy with them. And then the next batch I would order would different. be, different material different they would look different even and they would be ground to a different spec and wouldn't work i'd have to send them back for regrinding and i came to the conclusion that what i was getting was from that uh, that i thought i it was probably likely that when i was placing an order i was dealing with someone who was then going on to have the lowest bidder make them in china mm-hmm. And that lowest bidder would very often be different from order to order. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And so you, you couldn't reliably count on this. At least I couldn't reliably count on this the spec that I needed. Yeah. And they did seem to charge higher uh, for whatever reason. I don't know if that's a – it may be because of heat treating process differences or or differences in the base metal mix that they use. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
2: And there's way to, ways to deal with that, but – um, it, for for a, a repro, and you can make great sounding pickups with the overseas stuff, but I found for a repro, it I can actually send a magnet here locally to uh, Thomas and Skinner or Arnold. Used to be Permanent Magnet, which is out of business now, but I can send them a magnet. They'll grind it down, put it in a vacuum chamber, and do an X-ray spectrograph, and I can get that magnet. Right, and. They have a lab, and there's a guy that I can call and talk to on the phone, and he'll explain to me what it is and why it. I mean, I've sent magnets that I was I could have sworn were on, short on the co five, and they're like, I've sent it, and they know they're on the co two, and this is why this is the metal mix, and it, but it has had a different heat ter- treating process to affect the mm. strength of it. Oh so, man,
1: there's so much to this
2: you know <laughs> yeah well i'm trying to imagine doing that now reliably from order to order yeah. with an overseas source i don't no. feel that I, would, I wouldn't feel as comfortable with that no. No. interesting but that's not to say that you can't you can't uh, get uh, something that they have as a standard offering and get something that works great for for your application you know and making a great will make a great sounding pickup
3: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a uh, super chat from Modern Vintage, Dave. What? Where is the feel in amp design? Seems like something only you focus on. Other amp sounds <clears throat> meh and lack feel dynamics. Why is this?
1: Um, I, well, I agree with you. Um, how do I explain it though? Uh, feel in amp design has to do with Uh, the frequencies. uh, Okay. I don't have a lot of bass in my preamp sessions of my amps. Um, I find putting too much bass in the preamp session causes it to sort of lose, uh, it gets farty and it loses, um, loses sort of uh, clarity and even loses some sustain. If it starts to get farty, it kind of, it's kind of a, it's hard to explain feel. Uh, it has to do with filtering and amplifiers. It has to do with how you're voicing the preamp section of the amplifier. Uh, I also generally voice stuff at low volumes when I do it. Uh, I kind of equate that to like, if you're mixing a song, which I've done quite a bit of over years, uh, you mix it low volumes, you turn it up, it sounds great. You mix it high volumes, you turn it down, it doesn't. Uh, so, I'm always looking for that kind of cranked up vintage. For me, the the, the quintessential amp is uh, an old fifty watt Plexi that I have that I run with a Variac, and basically run it on ten. Every pretty much everything on ten. Uh, you know that Van Halen sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of amp gives you like it, because it's on ten, gives you this sag and this this bounce and this feel that only a vintage amp does. So the goal was to sort of capture that tone. um, But with any volume with, you know, like, so the be channel, uh, if you set the EQs properly, and you can mimic the tone of that amp uh, quite well at a lower volume, but you also mimic the feel. And a lot of it has to do with how the amps filtered and how your choices of tubes, and your choices in the preamp, really.
0: And what's the difference between an amp that happens to sound really stiff versus one that's kind of certainly One that's
1: really stiff has too much filtering in it, um, which I think robs the life out of everything. It's almost like putting – have you ever listened to an amp in a super dead room? Meaning something that has carpet on every wall, mm-hmm. you listen to any amp in in a room like that, and it sounds awful. It just sounds horrible. Uh, you listen to an amp on a nice wood stage, in a in a bigger room, and the amp
2: sounds glorious, you know. And uh, um, yeah, I I always find that the, the the real test is what does it sound like at low volume and at stage yeah. volume. Yeah, yeah. And even with the pickups, that's i practice with my band every week and i'm always surprised how much the volume you're playing at affects it oh if, sure yeah as far as what the feel is
3: oh uh-huh. you
2: know that you notice it as much with a recording but you definitely feel it with you feel the difference playing yeah it. yeah and yeah. um I've always assumed filtering is a is a big part of that.
1: Yeah, filtering in your amp definitely. Uh, the lower the filtering, the more saggy the amp is. Yeah. There's a there's sort of a fine line between too tight and too saggy. So it just kind of, it's
2: uh. Yeah, too saggy at higher volumes can
1: sometimes. Yes, that doesn't work. But sometimes at lower volumes, and you know, I think, I think ultimately people these days are playing amps at lower volumes in general. Yeah. yeah. So you want to try to sort of capture that feel. I've actually also been thinking about something a lot lately. And I've been wondering how to incorporate it. A way that when you play at lower volumes, you can uh, When you play at lower volumes, you can actually goose. Your bias so it runs hotter, or your tubes run at a hotter current because you're not pushing them. You're not pushing the tubes. Yeah. Um, at a loud volume, if you're playing really loud, you're pushing these tubes crazily, and there's no way you can set that bias like that. I'm almost wondering if there's a way I could make that to track with a master volume to change the bias as you change it. I mean, there's a way to do it. I, I yeah. just, uh, I It'd just, have, I, I yeah. was just thinking about that the other day, and I'm like, I wonder how that would work. I mean, I should try that.
2: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I did that with the deluxe reverb. I mean, I adjusted the deluxe reverb, and then it was playing the, to where I thought it, it, where it, it sounded right for me. And at a gig, it was red plating, <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's not working.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, we just got a
2: <laughs> very.
1: Very wow, we have a very large super chat. Yes, that just came.
0: Thank you, Chlorine Bacon Skin. Uh,
1: thank you, Chlorine. Thank you very much. Uh, so I, I definitely have to answer this well. <laughs> <laughs> Opinion on slaving amps. I love to slave amps, I, I, I did that for the vast majority of my younger youth. I slaved my Marshall, uh, meaning loading an amp down and powering back up with the power amp. That's what I did. That's sort of what my amps mimic. Um, So if uh, you're looking to do that, I would highly recommend uh, a Fryat power load. Uh, His uh, load is quite good. And uh, and then you could use a variety of amps. You have to figure out which amp best suits you. Um, But uh, it's a great tone, especially if you're using more of a vintage Marshall or something. You can really just dime the thing and and go for it. I mean, that, that's a great way. Similar to what the boss, uh, you know, the boss, um, the new boss thing does. What is it? Tube, tube amp, <laughs> Sorry tube that amp
0: that. expander.
1: Tube amp expander does. Similar to what the Fryad um, power station does. It has a built-in power amp. But you can get just their power load and then use whatever power amp floats your boat, you know, whatever one you like the tone of best. Um, it's a great way to do it. If it's a high gain amp, you might not need to do that kind of thing. But if you're talking vintage amps like HiWatts, Marshalls, things like that, that, that that really derive their tone from, from cranking it, uh, it's a great way to go.
0: So, so, someone says that's not US dollars. It's not as big as it seems. And then, uh, well, okay. And then someone said that's 32 cents in dollar currency. Really? <laughs> it's th- $3.22.
1: Okay. Well, either way. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't pay attention to what it was. It looked like there was a dollar sign next that's to it. That's what
0: that. I thought. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> that's fine. Either way. Retract my whole thing then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so funny sorry uh, uh, either way that's that's cool um i didn't I, What does nt mean i don't i don't know what that is I'm not sure is it news
1: cecil cecil asks uh, what's your thoughts on tube versus solid state rectifiers um not too much different to be honest um solid state rectifier a little bit saggier a little less voltage uh, surprisingly, not as much difference in tone as you would think. A little saggier. Mm-hmm. Not huge, though.
0: So BMO's asking, Fryad has tubes, does the Japanese? I guess he means does Boss. I don't think the Boss tube amp expander has tubes. No. And neither does the uh, Ox.
1: No, but the Ox, ox is not uh, the same thing. The aux is a power attenuator uh, or a load, but uh, it's not, you're not loading down your amp and then powering it back up with the power.
0: Right, right, right. right. Gotcha. Yep. So uh, it's different. Uh, it's Tyween, Ty, Taiwan dollars. All right. That's cool. Oh, it's
1: fine. There we you. go. Thank well, you. I, I thank you for guys to, you know, you guys are on it. Thank you so frank Quinn, we're not on it we just see a hundred dollars and go wow yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's too funny hey I
1: mean, now we can buy more than a hot dog yeah. <laughs> can,
0: can i have a free can i have a freeman dirty shirley for nt 3000 please dave
1: <laughs> that's too funny um no sure if you pay me money <laughs>
0: uh did John talk about why he focuses on the 64 and 64 Strat pickups? I meant 63 and 64. Okay.
2: Okay. Uh, I focus on those because it's a transition year for two things. The wire that, they, that Fender uses, and they're also transitioning to machine wound. So the, there's a, a, a little crossover there where you they have a form bar, wire machine wound pickup and a plain enamel mm-hmm. and that that so i'm i'm playing with those specs and like form bar yeah i, I like form bar is a classic um strap tone and form bar machine wound it, it, when they're machine wound it you're basically getting a more efficient coil they have, so a uh, form bar pickup from that era is a bit more powerful than a uh, hand-guided mm. uh, equivalent resistance pickup that's maybe earlier. So I wanted to concentrate on that, that transition point. Gotcha. Got it? That okay. makes yeah. sense. So. It, People like them. I, so oh, you're
1: I just, offering you're offering basically a form bar, pickup, or a,
2: well, 63 is form bar, 64 is yeah. plain enamel. Uh, and cool. two, with that transition, the the resistance goes down a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's it's an interesting transition that. So what's the form bar resistance? Six point three, six point three, and six point six. I figured, yeah. And uh, the plain enamel is six uh, six neck. And bridge, although I offer a hot 6.5 bridge if someone wants that, mm-hmm. and a 5.8 neck, or uh, middle, okay. middle position, and they're just two distinct flavors with with the, the with machine wound spec, and I don't know, it's it's kind of a cool spot. Um, I'm going to offer a 59 spec that's going to have different magnets and be uh, hand guided also.
1: What magnets are in your
2: pickups? That... The, the, the 63 and 64 uses Thomas and Skinner magnets that I sent some vintage samples to them to duplicate. Is that Alnico? Al-Nico 5. Oh, okay. Alnico five. The, um the, the 59 is going to use Alnico five from Arnold, but it's an entirely different spec and sounding different ma- sounding magnet.
3: Okay.
2: So, cool. yeah. yeah. They even look cool. different.
3: <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm.
2: They they even look different cuz yeah. I mean the process in making them is is different enough that the the actual color of the magnet material is different.
3: Oh, okay.
0: So someone cool. asked earlier and I, I lost my track in the chat but um about degaus degaussing pickups do you do you deal with that or
2: the um okay so Gibson used a a the, charged their own magnets using a DC setup with car batteries. It was not real reliable, hmm. and you don't get fully saturated magnets with the method that they use for doing it. And in something like a P90, over time, so it, it, I didn't even realize that this was an important spec until uh, an engineer at um, I think it was permanent magnet explained it to me, but if it's not fully set, if the Alaco is not fully saturated, it's more prone. And if it's not fully saturated right off the bat, it's more prone to losing charge over time.
3: <clears throat>
2: Even if you then decide to degauss it. So uh, the method that they used, Gibson used, didn't fully saturate the magnets. So in something like a P90, where both magnets are uh, touching the keeper bar you don't have a lot of steel to draw that charge and over time the, the the magnets lose a bit of charge because they were never fully saturated and that's part of the tone of the vintage 50s era P90 um, so we use that same method to charge the magnets and some of them we we degauss, but it's essentially to mimic that same um, that same effect of not having a fully saturated magnet to begin with. Mm.
0: Okay. And
2: the, the way I found out about the, the charging was I talked to one of the guys at Heritage who one of the machines I have was made by a pattern maker at Gibson. And he said this guy also was the guy who Set, the, set up their charging setup. And he explained it. It was car batteries <laughs> to charge magnets. I, a, lot <laughs> the, a lot of the, <laughs> yeah, it, a lot of the, what I find interesting about a lot of it, the, the details is when you start actually manufacturing the parts and you talk, to, you read things of, like there's an interview, interview Seth Lover. Uh, did with Seymour Duncan, there's things in it that don't make sense. Like one of them is that uh, uh, Seymour Duncan says, the or Seth Lever says the spec for uh, PAF was to fill the bobbin, which seems like an odd spec. But when you actually have the machines and you realize that, that one machine can only make a pickup that will go up to 7.7 K, literally it, the way it's set up. You can't get more wire on the bobbin. And then yeah. another machine could do a high 9K pickup. Well, then that spec of fill it till it's full yeah. makes sense to tell an operator that might you be using multiple machines. Yeah. So they're... So they they were very practical, I think, about how fill it so it's full. <laughs> yeah, so, and and they weren't really thinking you know, this is not going to affect the sound. They were like, this is what works for manufacturing these. Yeah, right, right, right. And Just but
1: slap it together essentially with.
2: Well, ultimately, you know, here we
1: go. Fill it to the thing, and yeah,
2: you're done. ultimately, a lot of these variations have to do with that.
1: Yeah,
2: right, and the variations make absolute sense when you realize how they were making them yeah you know and and so the car batteries that was a simple solution to getting them charged and they can get them you can get them cheaper if the, if you charge them yourself another solution that they had was how do you make lacquer dry faster well you use straight lacquer that's unthinned, and you put a, a hot water heater in it to thin it never mind the explosive hazard yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know it's a practical solution.
0: Interesting. Uh, we got a couple super chats uh, from Wyatt Willis. Dave, why not do something similar to the Sir SL amps, where they have low power variac mode and rebiases the tubes? Also, appro- yeah. God.
1: Yeah, I mean, also, how do I get the BE to sound like a fifty watt dimed? my 50 watt dime dam well essentially on the low power variac thing yeah if i offer a variac in an amp i would do exactly that um we did do that with the metro friedman that i produced for a while with george metropolis uh where we we did exactly that um and as far as how do you get the be to sound like the 50 watt i don't know approximately mids on eight Treble on six or seven, bass on like three or four. Wow, um, that's bright. Presence, on, presence on like four. Um, gain on ten on the B channel, and master. Well, master to taste. On that, hmm. that will approximately give you. Um, that you know, mid less bass and more mid range and everything than you would imagine if you AB it to a real amp.
0: Real amp, yeah. Hmm. So. Cool. Um, more guitars, super chat. Uh, thank you for modern built non vintage amps. Would you still recommend a device like an Amp RX Brown Box to safely bring voltage to 117 or below 120 to 124?
1: Uh, yes. Um.
0: But you don't need a brown box. You can
1: just get a Variac. Well, you can get a Variac, sure. Uh brown box is cool, though, because uh, it gives you the voltage readout and stuff. Um. Yes, you... Modern amps, yeah. I mean, like, if your wall voltage is 126, which in some areas it is, mm-hmm. your amp is not going to sound great. It's going to sound very strident, and kind of bright, and just not great. Uh, I find actually more more around one fifteen is more the sweet spot for almost any amp. Um, uh,
2: yeah. you just I, kind of. I actually yeah. bought a brown box two weeks ago. Yeah. Because I ran across your video today. I, I had, It's I had, cool, isn't it? Yeah, I had meant to get one. Yeah. A couple of years ago, and I forgot all about the thing, and I bought it, and I, I did a gig with it. Uh, was it Monday? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just dialed it to where it sounded. Just you can dial different. it wherever. Literally, it sounds. Yeah. good. To you. yeah. I dialed it to where I thought it started sounding good, and it was one seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine too. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. know that that was your your number for it. But well, 117, one seventeen,
1: one fifteen, somewhere yeah. around there, I would think. You know, it depends. I mean, you can also yeah. dial it lower, but um, but the higher you get, the worse it generally sounds. Yeah, so, like 1 123 124. Some places I've p- know people there's 126 and that's just that's just a lot of stress on the amps and Yeah, it was 124 good. where we were playing. Yeah, my house yeah. is 123. Well, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like it, it, out here in LA it's never that. It's it's more like 117 118 120 max and it's not more. Yeah. Uh, ever almost. But a lot of a lot of places I know are way more. So it makes sense
2: to have. Will Will this boss uh, load box thing do this as well that you were talking about, or no?
0: It won't do the voltage. No, it
2: won't. It won't no. do voltage. No. Okay. No.
0: no. I don't think any of them do voltage. Yeah, no.
2: yeah I think so. I I just yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I I I think it's good to get, you know, a variac, and then of course the other thing is if you have a variac. And you're gonna use that like just make sure uh, measure what's coming out of the variac also.
2: Yeah, that brown box is so much easier to use than the variac. Cause I yeah, very... see the voltage in and voltage out.
1: And... Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and the the variac's heavier. Yeah. I've got one set up for uh, to discharge magnets with a demagnetizer, so I can control the discharge of it. But I'd rather carry the brown box around with its little handle.
0: Yeah, you know, it's certainly a, a more portable yeah. device, that's for sure. Um uh Cecil Music says, John, what are your thoughts on ceramic magnet pickups?
2: I actually like the way they sound. They're not appropriate for a PAF, but I there's ceramic magnet pickups that sound very good. Um uh, these Dirty t- fingers. What?
1: Dirty fingers.
2: Yeah, dirty fingers, yeah. I know they often get a bad rap as being too harsh, treble-wise, but it's it's a specific sound and they sound good. It's just I don't I don't make any that offer it, but I like the way they sound.
0: Yeah, I mean G and L had G and L had some nice pickups um, that are that are ceramic, and I, I I know there was a question someone asked this uh, somewhere in the chat, and I'm looking for it. Um, but was what do we think about the GNL Z coil pickups? Um, they're cool. Yeah, it was L Scott Music. What do you all think of the GNL Z coils? I I like GNL pickups. They're they're cool, but they're definitely different sounding. What have you heard them, John?
2: Yeah, you know my experience with GNL pickups is really the bass pickups, because mm-hmm. uh, the um, Matthew Quayle who works here and also plays bass in the band we're in loves GNL basses and they all have the ceramic pickups and they sound great in the bass i think maybe the the um ceramic it, you get the power of it and also maybe there's a little treble benefit to it in the bass but yeah you know, I, I haven't honestly played a guitar that has the z coil pickups in it so I, I just can't accurately speak to that
0: yeah yeah um what do chokes do for the tone of an amp? Furious George said. Should I install a choke in a chokeless amp? Um,
1: hmm. I guess it really depends on the amp, on what you might or might not hear with a chokeless amp. Uh, uh, you know, that that's. I use chokes for everything, so almost everything, uh, except the little amps. Um, so, um,. Hmm. Depends on the amp. You might not hear that much difference, to be honest.
2: You know, I I don't know the the answer for that, but it is yeah. But does does a choked amp is it a little more dynamically response, responsive? Well, well
1: it improves the filtering and the
2: power supply, but
1: um, I don't. You know, there's a chance that you might not hear a difference. Yeah. But again, this might be very dependent on the amp. So I haven't done enough AP comparisons to be quite honest. Um, so there you have it. I'm hmm. I'm useless. I'm useless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh Merkava two thousand ninety nine said Metro Friedman question mark. How did I not hear of that? Yeah, I have to say I I that was kind of like when did that happen? There was an actual Metro, Metro Freeband amp?
1: amp? made for a while between George Metropolis and myself. It was essentially my take on a Plexi 12 series amp with a Bariac. Now, what that amp was sort of modeled to do is more of that VH sort of thing. So, um,
0: I've never seen one used or anywhere. I've never
1: seen. Yeah. We didn't make that many, but we did them. Huh. If I had to do it again now, I could do it better.
0: <laughs> well, you should.
1: Well, uh, I could. It's it's a, you know it's an ass kicker or an amp though. It was hundred watt amp with the variac mode, so it's it's loud. You want to get that sound? You're gonna need that load device. <laughs>
0: oh, because there's no master.
1: No master, baby. Turn it on ten.
0: Ah. Uh, <laughs>
1: there you go. Play it like a man. <laughs> yeah, carry it like a man. Yeah. Yeah. Carry it like a man also.
0: Be deaf like an old man. Um mm-hmm. Matthew Newton. Well you asked John about that gold top behind him. Yeah, we were t- we were commenting about that earlier.
2: Oh that that that's a um I I prop well, this that's a sixty nine small headstock gold top. Nice. And the, actually the story of, this is a guitar that most people this is a story with it. My 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 vintage guitars always are the ones that no one wants, because that's the only ones I can afford. This thing, it's um it's kind of an oddball in the sense that it is um, a small headstock 69. The way you know it's a 69 is there's a little uh, circular stamp on the control cavity inside that I think it has an R, and then if you look in the pickup cavity. There's a tiny veneer between the maple top and the mahogany. It's not like a sandwich body, pancake body, where it's between the two pieces of mahogany. It's between the uh, the the maple top and the uh, the mahogany. But anyway, this guitar was on someone years, maybe five, six, seven, maybe eight years ago. Someone posted that guitar from Craigslist on one of the Les Paul or my Les Paul forum. And, we, and it was someone pleased by this guitar. Huh. And what it was is it was in the state it was in, it had a mini humbucker in the neck, which it should have actually been a P90. And then a mini humbucker in the bridge and the bridge pickup, someone abandoned routing it for a PA, uh, for a humbucker. So it had this awful curved, chunk out of it mm. and then on the back of it on the headstock was a little metal plate tacked over the serial number and under the serial number was the serial number gouged out oh. so this is a probably stolen guitar so i called the guy up so and the stolen guitars that had once been stolen like this are sort of like orphan forever so i i I thought I'm going to call the guy up who's listing it. The guy called it up was, I think this was in somewhere in Missouri. And he was a corporate headhunter, he said. And he got this guitar years ago, had no idea what the purpose of this plate was until later. And uh, he wanted to sell it because he wanted to just get other gear. So I bought the thing. And then I posted on the forum, I said, I bought it. Now I know it's, and I'm going to put it whole, make it whole. I'm going to put humbuckers in it. I will play it. I will, I will refret it. And if some, there are distinctive markings and there are on the back of it that someone prior did. And I said, if someone can describe those to me, I am happy to have it go back to them. Hmm. And then everybody on the forum said, Oh, that's my guitar. (laughs) And I said, Oh, for the there but I said in order to submit what these distinctive markings are, there's a small fee of seventy five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and then no one did it. So, but anyway, it's a cool guitar. But poor thing has been sort of uh, someone did some you know, it's a it's a dubious history as far as the lineage of it goes. Yeah. But but
0: it's,
1: it's cool looking. It, yeah, it it's looks cool. Great. It's got the patina on it. It's, I like the little green patina on the
2: arm there. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. got our rings. I we make butyrate rings with a steel mold our, our plastic molder who does our bobbins. I had him make a steel mold and got butyrate material for that. So it's kind of like a wave you No, know, it's got our pickups and I made the pick guard with material I got from a local guy that used to work at Gibson and So I don't it's, know. it's
0: it's pretty I'm sure it sounds awesome. It's
2: a lot nicer than it was.
0: <laughs> um, Philip Morgan wants to know: Does John make steel guitar pickups?
2: You know, I consider doing that. I don't, but no, I actually did consider doing that. I think it's kind of a cool market. The um, it was a very niche market, but um, I always I almost bought one. I don't I don't know how to play one, but I I, li- I like steel guitar. <laughs> I just thought it would be cool to learn it, but. And now I don't don't offer
0: them. Okay. Cool. Um. Let's see. Um. let just going through questions. I know there was a question about uh, Saldano. I don't. I uh, I just I saw there was a video that Mike put out the other day. Uh, yeah, I had
1: dinner with Mike on Monday night.
0: Oh, you did? Yeah. Cool. How's he doing? He's doing great. Is he psyched?
1: Yeah, yeah, he loved everything. Um,
0: so. Someone said boutique amps owners should be on Tone Talk. Avi. Uh,
1: that might be a good idea, actually. Yeah, let's should have be him on. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk to him. About it.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's have him on. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: I about that? I'm always curious about because I've seen the videos of the of of uh, their shop and you over yeah, there. Yeah, the factory. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm always curious as to how, like how how did he get into that? It was it an offshoot of other um, electronics assembly work? Originally,
1: originally um, his um, father owned the company, and uh, I mean this goes back a long way. Uh, I think the first thing that they did in their career was remember the old stereo boxes that went in the back of your car, you know, the yeah. subwoofers and things, they that. The, the big, so they used to make those.
2: So they made the uh, enclosures for those two enclosures you know? and things. Yeah. And,
1: and then uh, it was kind of a big PA company for a long time. And then that slowly transitioned into guitar amps. Uh, he would have to explain it all, but I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, he his father was doing it when he was just a little kid, when he was sweeping the floor in the shop. Hmm. So, um, you know, it's not a pretty job, though. To be honest, I mean, you're you're, you're a manufacturing company. That's not a great place yeah. to be, to be honest. Uh, I mean, like, you know, you're constantly worrying about, you know, how much gear, how much money's going out the door, so you could not yeah. lose money. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. it's not a-
2: yeah i i i have, i don't i didn't realize it until i stopped doing photography but i got that that sort of initial investment in parts where to get them reliably yeah. tooling i got that done before i ever had to commit to that being my only business which was actually a godsend and i didn't realize it at the time
0: gotcha uh, super chat from Harmonicaster. Dave, is Boutique showing in no. Summer Nam, And the answer is no.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Brian Walpler will be there, and so will Matthews Effects, but um, none, no one else. Mm.
0: Uh, thoughts on Zex coil pickups? I've not heard of them.
2: Uh, you know... I've, oh, I've, I've heard of those. Yeah, I, I've, <laughs> never, I've never... Heard
3: of them Sorry.
0: I'm
2: familiar with what the... I, I think I'm familiar with what they look like and the concept behind them, but I've, I've never tried them.
0: Uh, Furious George for fuzz. What kind of germanium transistors sound best in the tone bender?
2: The, I prefer 2N404 and 2N404A or other transist, germanium transistors marked differently, but are essentially those specs. I have, I bought, I bought a bunch of RCA. I think they're privately branded RCA uh, germanium transistors that uh, that I prefer for for a a tone bender type pedal. Mm-hmm. What is it? The um, there's there's basically the originals used a Mullard that you cannot reliably get good ones of, of anymore. And frankly, I think they're They always were a little noisier than what you can get in a good 2N404. I actually prefer the sound of those. But the supply, it's been a while since I've shopped for germanium transistors because I had a a fairly good discovery of a a supply of them. But I'll have to reevaluate whether or not I even want to make them when my supply runs out. Hmm. Because I, I don't, know what the state of getting them is now, for Germanian. I don't know. I don't know that anyone. I could be wrong about this, but the last time I checked, there wasn't a good sounding. There wasn't anything that sounded like the old ones, really. Yeah.
0: Talk to uh, analog man.
2: Yeah, I don't know what he does. I mean, I'd assume he's got a he's got a, uh, a good stash of. Them.
0: He probably does. Yeah. 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 Um. Someone said, "When did Mike Saldano put on a video on Instagram?" No, actually, it was on um, Facebook. It may be on Instagram, but it was uh, uh, it was a short little video of just him playing a uh, non uh or a non yeah, it was a prototype Saldano, I guess. Or, so, um, I so I have a, a in the last few minutes because I w- we're gonna call it a a day in the next like seven or so minutes. It's getting late. Um,
2: no, before three hours.
0: Yeah. Like, well, well, no.
2: At three hours. Well,
0: we'll do it at three hours. We'll do it.
1: You have to go seven oh, right. after or something. Good. Good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're almost. We're actually. We got fifteen minutes if we want to go to the, to the full three. Three hours. I,
2: I'll be okay.
0: Don't worry. <laughs> um. So I have a. I have a uh, confession I need to tell Dave. I figured I would just do it right on on the show. Um. So I got a Kemper.
2: That's it.
0: It's over. <laughs> so, um, I was like, "Am I going to tell Dave I got a Kemper?" Um, <laughs> so,
1: the show's done. The show's over. <laughs> yes, that's it. This is our last episode with John. <laughs> um,
0: no, actually, you know, I, I want to just give my review of it because I, I, uh, I think it's a very cool product. R- very, very, very cool product. A lot of fun. Uh, but it still does not replace a tube amp. You know, I just w- wanted to say that, you know, and it does not feel right. It just does not feel it. There is, there's, it's very, very close, but there's still the feel is missing of what a real tube amp in a room with you sounds like. Turn up a real tube amp and play it versus turn up a Kemper loud and play it. There's a totally different. Feel. Mm-hmm. Going back to that feel of what one of the people asked earlier, there's that feel. Yeah, it sounds great. There's some great sounds that you can get at lower volumes and recording wise, but live, I would still always use a tube amp. So I love it. I think it's a very cool product. Um, and I'm glad that I got it, but uh, it's still. Now I'm going
2: to have to get Emperor trader. What's that? Now I'm going to
0: have to. <laughs> I'm a trader. I, I, you know, I. I, I, but I, but I, I also feel like I need to talk. I, I kind of need to know about it to be able to talk about it. Yeah, you know? I
1: understand.
0: You know, so it's like I, we have the show. I even, you know, I, of course, this is the excuse I give my, to my wife. But, um, you know, I, I, need, I need the gear to understand what I'm talking about. But, no, it was really uh, it was an enlightening experience. It's cool. The floorboard that comes with it is very cool. Uh, there's a lot of good things about it, but it's still not going to sound like a real tube amp. So I'm not just saying that the blow smoke up Dave's ass. That is the truth. If I go play with a band, I would play with a tube amp. No doubt about it. Um, but it's fun. It's a cool thing to have. Uh, oh, we got Andy Pessia for a super chat. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. No, no question either. So thank you. So Deja blue says, are you returning it? Mark? I, uh, so I actually had kept the box. For just the po- in case, just in case, the possibility that it was going to go back. See, um,
2: you, you you talking about Kemper's is like the the, is the amp equivalent of people talking about uh, Marzio double cream trademark. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, here's here's my problem with it, and I'll say it on this show. My problem is, especially since I'm I'm, I'm uh, partners with Dave is that it comes loaded with a fried man profile. Oh, of course it does. And that's bullshit, in my opinion. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That is bullshit. It should not come loaded with an amp that says your name on it, regardless uh-huh. of. And, and that, to me, is bullshit. And, uh, you know, I almost took a picture of it and sent it to you, but I'm sure.
1: Well, it, how, does, how does it say it?
0: It says fried, and then space, and then man.
1: That might be that might be actually questionable as far as uh, um, our trademark. It's
0: yeah. I'll send you a picture of it. I didn't yeah, send it to you. That it. could
1: be argued. That could be argued.
0: I think it could be. <laughs> I think it could be argued personally. Um, yeah. And it what's what sucks about it is it comes on the amp preloaded. So that's it's not like you're going that's into the, the the rig manager. And you're downloading somebody's profile that says Friedman or whatever. It's on there when you buy the Kemper, and that's not yeah. cool. It's
2: yeah. not.
0: It's not cool. If they, you know, if they have like you know Marshall's, you know, old '69 Marshall or you know whatever Fender amps and all that stuff, that's cool. But you're gonna put on a BE100 and you know it's a Friedman. That's bullshit. So that's my opinion. Um. And someone wrote, I knew about this, Mark. I saw you in the forums. <laughs> I know. So, so I, I, I almost had to uh, give it up because someone wrote, Mark with a Kemper? Oh, my God. Dave's going to flip out. That's <laughs> so, uh, too funny. So um, someone gave me a thumbs down. There you go. All right. Thumbs down for the Kemper talk. Sorry.
2: I don't have a Kemper because it doesn't even look amp-like enough. No. Right. Oh, God,
3: no.
0: Yeah. Hey, it doesn't hey, look it it
2: like is what is that? It, it I Seriously, I don't know why, but it. If it we're in some combo form, that lamp, like I might change my opinion on it. But.
0: Yeah, it's it definitely weird. has a weird like you know. My son said it looked like you know like uh, airplane controls. Yeah. 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 Um, an airplane dashboard. So, uh, but anyway. You know, I'll send you that picture, Dave. So you have it. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so in the last few minutes that we've got, um, I wanted to talk about some of our uh, guests that are coming up. But before I do that, actually, um, do you want to tell us, John, where people can reach you and buy your pickups um, and your pedals and?
2: Uh, or dot all over the internet.
0: Yep. And don't, um, don't do it how I spelled it with a W. I will. Oh, edit. Did you actually yeah. I'll, uh, I'll edit that out before, uh, once we get done. Actually, with the
2: video. Then, the, I chose that name because, uh, I couldn't get the URL. It was as practical as that I started dropping letters until I could get it. So I dropped the, I dropped the W. This was years ago. And it, someone had that. And then I dropped the C and then I could get the URL. <laughs> so, that, that was the name of the business. And, um, they can order directly from us or through uh, dealers. Places like Chicago Music Exchange has their pickups. Uh, Collings offers them as a uh, option in their guitars. Places like uh, Johan Gustafson, Novo Guitars. Oh, I'm probably forgetting somebody. But, you, you know, high-quality custom guitar makers regularly order from us, and they offer them as an option. Um, and a lot of dealers stock the Collings guitars with our pickups um they can order from us directly our dealers and uh am i forgetting something oh we i do have a youtube channel called throwback guitar lounge subscribe oh yeah yeah and uh, i i kind of started it just so we could put videos on to answer some of the questions that i get frequently through email and over the phone but we're trying to do something every week and people like them. So uh, there's been a couple of weeks here in the summer where we haven't done anything, but I I did a video that shows how I like to adjust the height of humbuckers or PAF style pickups. Hmm. It's 28 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. But Uh (laughs) People really watch that thing. And uh, because people
1: watch our four hour shows too. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) More than I, once.
2: I, I, I did that video just because, I, I, the, you know, sort of the general, for, for a humbucker, the general way people adjust it is they use a measurement. And it doesn't really work for individual setup. You know, it doesn't work for, it, it, one measurement doesn't work for everything because people. No, not at all. String gauge. Yeah. Everything. String gauge, all that. So I just go step by step through how I do it. And, and people people watch it. So anyway, yeah, that's Subscribe cool. to the Throwback Guitar Watch YouTube channel. It's in this palatial room here that we do the videos. Awesome, so, cool, cool. Great. This room that's only ten by ten feet.
0: And make sure you guys well, yeah. order order pickups and pedals. I'm I'm really interested in the um, uh, the Stone Bender.
2: Yeah, that that's always been a really good seller for us. Yeah, especially that, after... Um... That, that and the Overdrive boosts are too big selling. Strangely, recently, the this, this Strange Master has been. I've wondered uh, if it's the uh, the uh, Ron Thor no, Pete, Thor- Pete Thornton video.
0: Mm-hmm. He did
2: one recently, and then there was an article in a guitarist magazine, I think, about treble boosters.
0: Yes, and yeah.
2: It, it, it mentioned ours, but Overdrive Boost sells really well for us Also, that I over the years, there's a lot of session guys that use that just because it's yeah. so adjustable totally. Yeah. You know,
0: awesome. Well, you guys make sure you check them out. Um, John, I want to thank you for coming on, man.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank, no, you. thank I, you. I really do enjoy this show because it's got a level of guitar nerdery that appeals to me. <laughs> well, that's, that's why we do
0: it. That's why we do it. And I, I love it. Uh, we've got some guests coming up that are, uh, awesome. um, And uh, I'm going to go through them right now real quickly. Uh, We've got Nilly Brosh, um, who is an awesome guitar player. Uh, She's going to be coming on, uh, I believe, July. What are we in July? I think it's July 27th or something. I'll let you know, Dave. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'm in the process of setting up uh, with reverb. uh, Frank Fleckenstein, who works for reverb, uh, to have him come on. and then um, we are pretty much going to confirm that Steve Vai is going to come on the show. So, I'm Not per-
1: booked exactly yet, but absolutely he said yes.
0: So we're psyched about Steve Vai. That'll be awesome. Um,
1: we're working- in August. Yeah, in August point. time
0: frame. We'll, we'll work yeah. on that. Um, and then... Uh, I know we're gonna we're gonna have Mike Soldano back on to talk about what he's working on. Yeah, uh, so that I'll be reaching out to him. Uh, There's
1: potentially possible. We we also need to uh, go for Delana. Yes, uh, we need I, to make that happen. I need to call her. Um, okay. And uh, there will probably be a, a, a version two of the Jakey Lee that's going to come. Uh at some point i'm not sure when yet (laughs) That might be a last minute thing because Mm -hmm. uh, as to how this happens it might be a last minute show But um let's see
0: yep yep that'll be awesome um And then also i wanted uh, when i can get it scheduled we want to have pete thorne and holly henderson To come on to talk about her, her album that pete produced um, I know oh people have been asking about Luke Cather Steve Luke Cather
1: Yeah the, okay Steve Said he would come on he would be happy To come on uh, The problem is Steve tours constantly He's all over the place so it's hard It's hard to nail him down To when he's going to be home I'll work On that I'll actively work on that
0: Yeah that would be awesome to have him On Um. So that's it uh, We're uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Hope everybody has a Billy great week. Billy
1: would be a good one.
0: Yes. Oh, and who was the other guy that you mentioned? Uh, Gilby Clark.
1: Gilby Clark, also, I would I would like to have. Um, a Billy Duffy. Someone just said that, and and I can make that happen. It's funny I forget about people sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, you know, you forget. It's like,
1: oh yeah, I know him. I do work for him. Oh yeah, why not? <laughs>
0: yeah we'll definitely have john sir back on uh he just did he did a bunch of shows with us so I think he
1: that was
3: a
2: looking. very interesting show I, I did enjoy that one quite a bit oh uh, yeah
0: yeah it was awesome um he's he's great um <laughs> so you're a total geek you watched
1: a bunch of these
2: <laughs> yeah no the, yeah i'm really i i just find it very interesting it, it, even the the most obscure details i find interesting. <laughs>
1: Well yeah, and you find out things like and, and sometimes in shock yeah. <laughs> while you're while you're while you're hearing these stories, you know, especially with artists, sometimes you get in shock. You're like, he said what?
0: Right. Who yeah. what?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is totally. that way with the Jakey Lee one?
0: Yeah. He said what? <laughs> Speaking of Jakey Lee with Sharon Osbourne, you see Sharon Osbourne just said some shit about uh um Daisley? no she called him an old fuck who should get over being fired from Ozzy
1: oh god I was like some more stuff to talk about with Jakey Lee yeah
0: exactly. part two. <laughs> Oh my god all right well everybody uh, have I'll a great
1: you about some other stuff that I got a recent text from him about
0: <laughs> oh really
1: yeah
0: oh wow yeah I'd love to hear it um Someone says Dan Huff, Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens will come back eventually, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, he said he would come back for to talk about this new band and stuff. So. Yep.
0: Yeah. Try to get Try to get Evan Rubinson of Dean. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be
1: coming. Oh, out. that'd be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right now would be. I don't know if he could talk about much though. Yeah. Maybe with the lawsuit.
0: Yeah, he probably wouldn't be able to yeah. talk. But, yeah, wow. that is interesting. I actually saw an interesting, before we go, I saw an interesting thing. Uh, one of the guys from Reverend Guitars, I think it was Reverend Guitars. No, 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 not Reverend. Um, Naylor. Joe Naylor? Yeah, from
3: Reverend po- Guitars.
0: Oh, is it Reverend Guitars? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That they pulled da- pulled down all their, any of their guitars that were resembled Gibson Guitars. Huh? Hmm. I was like, he's like, they, Interesting. Mean, they mean business. I was like, huh? Wow. Yes, Chris
1: Shiflet also with Foo Fighters.
0: Oh, dude, I would love to have Chris Shiflet on. Talk That's about. all possible. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's Dean. How about Dave
1: Grohl? <sighs> I wonder if I can get Dave Grohl.
0: Well, you got to make the call, man. I might be able to. Uh, Dave's so cool, too. Dave is Dave's so, super cool. Now, Mark Ignacy, I've, I reached out to him. He never wrote
2: me back, so whatever. <laughs> well, this yeah. is the time for him to write you back. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I wrote him a long time ago when he was at Norm's. At right. Union, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. oh, and Paul Reed Smith, I've actually reached out. to I Dave, I finally, I figured out that email address, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, you told me. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I Paul Reed Smith said he would come on, but. I haven't heard back, so, so we'll see. Anyway, well, we hit the three-hour mark, so.
2: Oh good. John,
0: you reached it, buddy. Uh,
2: I got the full. (laughs) Made it. Thank thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Thank you, man. I enjoyed. I have I have cemented my spot in the annals of guitar, YouTube geekdom. (laughs) There you go.
0: (laughs) We're glad to have you, man. It's awesome. So, um, yeah. the Hall of Tone.
1: <laughs> so, oh my God, Deja Blue Rhodes writes, Wagner and Jakey Lee, same show, lots of alcohol.
0: Yeah, oh God, would, I don't think
1: I, I don't think I'd survive that one. Yeah, that would, no, <laughs> not gonna happen.
0: That would be crazy. Uh, oh
1: God. I, yeah.
0: All right, everybody have a great night. Enjoy the weekend. John, stick around for just a minute while I end the show. All right. Take care, everybody. Enjoy. All right.
1: See you guys.